Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk. The world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Hello, doing fine. Glad to be here. I'm pretty good. Howdy, everyone. Game on, people. Sound is not going out. Uh, getting a lot of reports, sound is not going out. No, everybody but you is going out from the sounds of it. Well, that's okay then, right? How do you even do that? <laughs> Testies one, two. Testies we can one, translate two. for him. Okay. Can you guys hear my mic now? I can hear it. Well, you guys uh, could hear it, but it wasn't in the time. stream. Okay. There we go. Everyone's mm -hmm. saying he's back. There we yep, go. Now I can, I can see the little VU meter. Yeah, they're saying they got it now. <clears throat> okay. Anyways, that is what it is. So anyways, we're going around the room, right? The last person we were talking about was Grant Leedy, the Cocoa Fest organizer. How you doing, Grant Leedy? Grant's muted. 
Okay, now I'm back. No, I was just saying, I guess the big news for Coco Fest later in the show. Be glad to share that with you guys. Big news for Coco Fest later in the show. Stay tuned, folks. Film at 11. All right, Alan Murphy is here. How you doing, Alan? Doing all right. Howdy, howdy, Coco Nuts. Howdy, howdy. He's got a garage. He's in Arizona. It's Ron Delvaux. How are you, Ron? Dave's here, man. Yes, our foreign correspondent and news anchor from O Canada, L. Curtis Boyles here. Hey, Curtis. Welcome, everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our second Canadian on the show and our co-host of our Game On segment, Ken Waters, a.k.a. Canadian Retro Things. There. How, how's it going, eh? It's going good, eh? Hey, it's a beauty, eh? Take off, eh? Yeah. You hoser. <laughs> we have the guy whose game we played this week, and I believe he probably got three or four Ferraris from the sales of that this week. The Thunder from Down Under, Nicholas Morantes. Good eye, Nick. Good eye, everyone. Then we got some putts named Terry Steggier. Hey, Terry, how you doing? Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> wow. All right. So we just introduced our regular panel. We are now going to get to meet our special guest of the week this week. We're going to play Get to Know David Lent. David Lent, this is your life, by the way, your third grade uh, teacher. We have her. She's backstage. She'll come out later on and talk about all the inappropriate things you did with crayons. Um, <laughs> So welcome to the program. David Lent, how are you, sir? Oh, real good. How you doing, Steve? Good. Um, is there any special information you want to share with the world that might have just happened in your world recently? Oh, well, I just had uh, my first child. Her name's Lindy. She was born on uh, December 12th. We had to stay in the hospital for five days because uh, my wife was having blood pressure issues. So I, I stayed there with them and I had to sleep on this very uncomfortable couch in the hotel or not hotel uh hospital room oh well you, your first child that's awesome congratulations yep. for that thank you if my soundboard's working this there we go there we go technical difficulties so yeah i um we were at vcf midwest but we didn't know we were there together because our paths did not cross but i saw you had done a video from your tour at vcf midwest we met at coco fest you were there uh, so that's how I kind of got to meet you and find out about you doing YouTube and stuff like that. So I'm glad you could join us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you did back in the day? Like what was your, what, what, was, what was your first computer? Why did you get into computers? What did you love? What did you do? All those kinds of things. Oh, okay. Well, well, I was nine years old and I wanted a computer and I only had like a, a small amount of money. So I decided just to buy an Atari 2600. So I bought it and I brought it home and hooked it up to the TV and it wouldn't work because my parents had some color TV that was so old that it, it just didn't work with uh, any kind of video game system. So I returned the Atari and kept the money. And I got a paper route. And for two years, I delivered newspapers until I had enough money to buy a computer. Uh, I got a TRS-80 color computer, too, with 64K of RAM. The reason I got a color computer is because my mom, uh, when I was bugging her that I wanted to learn about computers, she brought me to Radio Shack and they had some class where they taught uh, little kids logo so i learned logo on a color computer so that's why i ended up getting one because i figured I, I already know how to use it so i might as well get one but my first game was monster maze which uh doesn't hold up well in, in today's terms but back then I, I thought it was fun and then i got stellar lifeline which was one of my favorite games for the uh trs 80 and I had like Mega Bug, Dungeons of Daggereth. Uh, Puyin was my favorite. It was on a cassette tape. 
And I, I didn't have a disc drive. I just had a tape recorder for it. But I like I also like to go to like newspapers and, and magazines and stuff and get the little code clippings and basic and type them in and save them on tape and stuff. My favorite was one, I think it might've been in the Chicago Tribune. It was called color racer where you had like a little race car and you used the, I, I don't know if it was the arrow keys or what to move left and right. And as you were going, the track would kind of turn and get smaller and smaller until you couldn't go anymore. But I thought it was really cool for a basic program. So Anyhow, later on, after I had that color computer for a few years, the price of the Commodore 64 went down. One of the reasons uh, I didn't get a Commodore 64 before is because they were $600 at the time, but three years later, they're only 150 bucks. So I ended up buying one of those in a disk drive and played a lot of games on it because my friends and I would all uh, trade games back and forth and stuff. So I had a good time with that that one I, I didn't have as much fun with it i mean i had fun with the games but i didn't like the basic on it because the basic wasn't as good on the as on the trs 80 so you had to do all those uh peek and pokes and stuff uh which at the time i didn't like so anyhow uh fast forward to the future i end up getting a degree in computer engineering i work as a senior software engineer at motorola uh right now computers i use are uh a Mac mini, which I love with an M1 chip. That thing is just awesome. And then I have a gaming laptop from HP, which is what I'm using right now. Uh, that's a good computer too. And as far as the YouTube, uh, how I got into that, I, I, I have actually two YouTube channels. The other one is Centurion's Review, which is a war game review magazine, or not magazine, YouTube channel. Uh, it's about hex and shit uh, board games. I, I mostly cover vintage ones. And as far as computer hobbyists, I'm doing videos on there about Mono Game, which is a framework you use to build uh, uh, video game engines using the .NET programming language or C Sharp, which is uh, one of the family of .NET programming languages. And let's see what I'm also doing a few hardware reviews on that channel. And the channel's just kind of is really new, and it's just kind of trying to find its way so far where you live dave i live in uh pingree grove illinois uh, it's about five miles west of elgin i'm about an hour from chicago hour west yeah coco fest used to be in elgin actually years back so oh nice i have a quick question for you you, you said you have one challenge devoted to to war games and stuff um, do you cover some of the old retro computer war games? Because the Coco was actually particularly strong in that. There was a company called Arc Roll Games, and that's pretty well all they did, and they had dozens of them. I've been thinking about doing it. Uh, if, if I do cover those, I'm going to cover them on Computer Hobbyists instead of the board game channel. But, yeah, there's also a lot of old – Avalon Hill made some great uh, vintage yeah, board yeah. games, and they also had some great – uh software back in the day too so i was thinking about doing some videos on some of those because some of those are actually pretty good the only problem is uh when you bought them they included a map which had like grid coordinates for each uh, hex or square on the map and if you just get a hold of the software you won't have the map so you can't play the game unless you have the original version that's the only thing holding me back really so i gotta get a hold of the uh, original versions in order to review those Okay, yeah, because I know the archives got a few. Like, uh, I'll take one that's from Avalon Hill, actually, VC Viet Cong. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a graphical one on the Coco One and Two back from about eighty two, eighty three. Um, so that one, I think the manual might even be on the archive. And I know some of the Arc Royal ones do have the manuals in there, and some of them are kind of like 
fancy text based on her high res. Nice. Ready. I'll look into those. Yeah, I got a few of them on my website to my games website. I don't have all of them. I'm still going through them all, but uh, I don't really have the time to learn more games either. So if you already have a background in that, it'd be awesome. Maybe you can help me write some of the descriptions a bit better than I'm doing. Yeah, no problem. Cool, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. On the um, a lot of archive sites where you can get your disc images have Color Computer Archive has got a lot of that where you can get the disc image and things for certain adventure games, walkthroughs, or created maps and stuff like that. So sometimes there's some community contributed stuff you can find there on on the different archive sites too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so you, because you're in the, is that, I'm just curious, like, cause you were at VCF Midwest and Cocoa Fest, but they're both kind of in your backyard. Is, what got you into going to these festivals and stuff too? How'd you learn about them? How long you been doing those things? Well, I, I go to a lot of war game conventions and I figured since I'm in the computers, I'd start looking up some computer conventions. And I saw that there is ones related to uh, vintage computing, which I, I, I always liked. I mean, I use DOS box and stuff to play old DOS games. And then I use emulators to play Commodore pet games and stuff and Commodore 64 games and uh, uh, TRS-80 stuff too. So I, when I heard there's a vintage conventions i was like yeah this is something right up my alley so i, I went to a vintage computer festival in midwest and brought my camera and uh videotaped the whole uh dealers area and stuff and posted a video i had a real good time there the 8-bit guy was there uh computer clan was there and lgr was there too and uh, i watched their little presentation that they put on the 8-bit guy had a presentation on uh uh, demos, uh, which, which was really cool. I had no idea there was an actual demo scene in the retro community, so that was fun to watch. And then uh, when I went to Coco Fest, uh, I really liked the presentations that were there too. Those were fun to watch. Cool stuff. Yeah. How many is it? Was this your first year of attending those, or have you been to ones in the past? Oh, th this was the first year. Okay. And you got both. How long of those? have you been going to? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Go ahead, Curtis. Uh I was just going to ask, uh, how long have you been going to the warm game conventions? Because it sounds like oh, that's a bit more historical for you. I, I've been going to those since I was a little kid. My dad's in the war gaming too. So um, there's several like Little Wars and RackCon I go to every year and uh, WolfCon. So those three I go to every year. And then occasionally there's some uh, smaller ones that pop up that I'll go to. So yeah, I really like going to conventions and stuff. Now, are those I'm not familiar with those shows because I'm not into to war games that heavily, but uh, is that something also local to Chicago or do you have to travel around the country to go oh, to those? Those are local too. Like Little Wars is in uh, uh, Lombard and RockCon is in uh, Rockford, Illinois, and then WolfCon is in Chicago. Okay. It seems like Chicago's, Fest has also been in Lombard. Chicago's <laughs> the place to be for, for events, man. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of board games, I, I was always in love with uh, Stratego when I was growing up. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, love that game. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I'll just plug something real quick. Uh, nobody else will see it, but you guys can see it. Um, I'll show this off of my updates and in, in acquisitions, but I got a reproduction of a board game I had back in the day that was called Dungeon from TSR Hobbies. Oh, and nice. It was kind of like uh, training wheels versions of Dungeons & Dragons. You, you roll dice, you move pawns around the dungeon board like a board game and fought monsters, got treasures and stuff. And I, I, I had that game. As a kid, and I found it, uh, found a, a modern reproduction of it now uh, that I went ahead and grabbed, which is kind of cool. Um, so that's even more basic than basic D and D. Yeah, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it is like roll the dice and move your pawn four spaces and pull a monster card and roll the dice to see if you if you win or lose things like that. So yeah, 
Cool. Now, one, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, David, you're, you said you're an engineer at Motorola, software engineer at Motorola. So do you actually do any games programming for the retro machines as well? Or? Uh, not for retro, no, just for modern. Uh, all the games I've made just uh, run on either Windows, Macintosh, or their web-based games. So I, I haven't done any retro stuff. I'd like to, though, because one thing that's cool about the retro stuff is your programming so close to the hardware. So I, I've always had an interest in that. The only assembly language programming I did was when I was in college, though. I, I never did any afterwards, unfortunately. Okay. What kind of games are you making? Uh, two of them were Hex and Shit uh, war games uh, uh, that I just uh, uh, made into a video game. And then uh, I did a Space Invaders clone. And I don't know if you guys remember from the old Amiga 500, there's a game called Daleks. Uh, I, I made a version of that for .NET 1.0. And right now I'm working on one called Worldwide Pandemic. That one I don't like so much. That, that will be done pretty soon, but uh, it's not my best work. But uh, I'm planning on doing a real big game in about 12 weeks hmm. because uh my my wife's taking 12 weeks of paternity leave and then afterwards i'm going to take 12 weeks too and during that 12 weeks uh i, I want to make a game so that one will be a world war ii game kind of like avalon hill S squad leader that's neat so it seems there's a common theme there and uh, yep. the kind of stuff that you like to make yeah, yeah. is yeah. your pandemic a game or is that a documentary uh it's just a <laughs> game <laughs> It plays kind of like a board game. Uh, it was one of those things where when you think of it in your mind, you're like, oh, this makes perfect sense. and It's going to be awesome. And then when you actually implement it, you're like, well, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Wow. It's like the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, just real quick. There were some people in the live chat saying my audio was cutting in and out. Has that audio gotten any better? Because I was using some filters on my uh, mic in OBS that I've turned off. So. Anybody who said my my audio was cutting in and out, let me know if that audio is any better. Um, yeah, because you weren't cutting out in here, so like, yeah, no, I think, it, I think it, it had to have been in the stream, which means it was going through uh, OBS. Um, and I tried to put in a noise reduction filter to, to kind of cut down on some of the noise of my laptop fan that I'm talking on. Um, cool. Well, so you're making games, which is cool. Jim Rice is better. Yeah. And you have a YouTube channel now. Uh, do you do anything with retro systems now? Do you play with Cocos and emulators, or you have a real Coco, or any any real retro <laughs> hardware that you play with? Uh, everything I do pretty much is in emulators. Uh, like uh, the one I use a lot is Vice, where I uh, emulate the PET and the Commodore 64 and the Commodore uh, 128. And then I have uh, emulator for uh, TRS-80. That one's a, a, a Windows-based emulator. The, the other ones I use on my Mac and my wife and I have some little, I don't know what you call these things. I got them on eBay for like $20 each. They're little handheld video games. And one is like a Atari 2600 emulator. And it's got like, I don't know, 50 games on it or something. Mm -hmm. You can play it uh, on the little, uh, uh, the, the little game pad it has with the screen on it, or you can connect it to the TV set and play it on your TV. So that's pretty cool. And I have one of those for the Sega Genesis too, which has, I don't know, a hundred games on it. Right, right. Like the at games where it looks like a little console type thing and you plug it yeah. into the TV. Yeah. And then I got one for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, that one's got about 50 or 60 games, but the problem is that it doesn't have Super Mario Brothers. And I mean, come on, everyone who plays uh, Nintendo wants to play Mario Brothers. So I'm surprised it didn't have that one on it. Uh yeah, so the modern, uh, the kind of the all-in-one type game systems, the plug-and-play game systems, they call those things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, those are cool. Those are, those are easy. Like I have, 
the Commodore 64 Mini. I actually haven't played with it yet, but somebody gave me that one as a gift, and you can just kind of plug it in with an HDMI cable and plug in a USB joystick and play some games that are built into it. Um, yeah, something you might want to play with is setting up a Cocoa Pi. If you can get a Raspberry Pi 4 or Raspberry Pi 400, we've got an image you can load on an SD card and emulate all kinds of Cocoa systems and download software to it, play Cocos right on a, on a Raspberry Pi, and it's an inexpensive way. Um, not only with that, but the Raspberry Pi, there's all kinds of other emulation images you can get, like uh, uh, the RetroPie and Emulation Station and things like that. So a lot of people will use a Raspberry Pi as a multi-purpose emulator. You know? So is a Raspberry Pi, is that the one that's just the board, or is it the one where it's a keyboard? Well, there's different ones. The Raspberry Pi in itself is a single board computer, and there's somewhere you put them in a little plastic case, you buy your own case and hook up your own ones. But the Raspberry Pi 400 um, is built into a keyboard. Yeah, that's pretty neat because I think that's only like hundred twenty dollars or something. Bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. very reasonable. Yeah, I just got one recently. I like it. It's neat. As a matter of fact, I'm teaching a class at night with Network Plus, and I actually showed my students how I could SSH into it and do some Linux commands and a command prompt cool. on, on Linux through this uh, uh, Raspberry Pi. So, is, is that what uh, the operating system built into it is uh, Linux? It, or? it is its own version of Linux. It's the Ras Raspberry Pi OS, which is it used to be called Raspbian because it was based on Debian, and and now it's mm -hmm. called Raspberry Pi OS. I'm not sure what it's still based on, but it is a Linux. It's a flavor of Linux on it. Yeah, I, I think it's still a Debian distribution, but okay. there's also Ubuntu one, and Microsoft has a Windows 10 for it. Not that it's that good. Uh, Windows 10 for Raspberry Pi, or an ARM-based yeah. Windows 10. Yeah, I did not know that. Okay, interesting. It's yeah. not very good, though. <laughs> yeah, but a Pi 400 is an inexpensive toy that you can emulate a ton of stuff on. You know? What uh, video output does it have? Does it have a HDMI? Or yeah, it, it, has, yes. it has two and HDMI's. Composite. It has and a, composite. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, it's a neat little thing. And there's an image you can download. Are you on our Discord server by any chance? We'll no, to... I'm not. Uh, I should join, though, I think. Yeah, yeah. So we have a channel for that where you, where you can we have discussions on different products and projects and platforms and stuff. Um, no, it's neat. So we won't take up too much time plugging that project. But that's just something that uh, if you're interested in experiencing a lot of different Cocos and MC10s and Dragon computers and downloading mm -hmm. software straight from the Internet to the system and it's all menu-driven, it's pretty cool. It's a cool way yeah. to do it. The whole Cocoa Pie nice. project, too, it has various emulators. It has MAME and XROAR and a few other things you can emulate, yeah. you know, MC10s, Cocoa123s, Dragons. So, yeah, it's a neat way to play with it. Uh, so, what else is going on? Anything you want to plug? Do you have any um, videos coming out on your channel soon you want to tell us or tease us about or anything like that? Yeah, the, the next one is coming out probably in uh, two weeks uh, is one on a $30 uh Chromebook. Basically, I was on Facebook and some guy was selling a Chromebook for $30 and he claimed it worked. And I was like, all right, for $30, I'll buy it. I, I didn't actually need a Chromebook, but I can't resist <laughs> buying a $30 computer. So I, I went over there and he started it up and it worked and stuff. And he had it set the factory settings. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. So I gave him the 30 bucks. And it, it, it's interesting. I, the internet's uh, slower than, as you can imagine, than on a, a good computer, but it, it's usable uh and you can do email on it and stuff too but the only problem is since it's such an old uh chromebook you can't use the google play store with it so mm. the only apps you can get are apps for uh the chrome browser that's right. it you can't get chrome actual apps. desktop uh apps so basically the video is going to be about whether or not 
uh, buying a $30 uh, Chromebook like this is useful or not. Uh, the quick answer is, yeah, it's it, it's something that's good for grandma. Like if you, if grandma doesn't know how to use a computer and uh, you just she just wants to use email and uh, the internet and maybe watch a YouTube video, you can create a, a, a Gmail account for her and buy, buy her one of these $30 uh, used computers and get her set up. And it'd probably be good enough for grandma. For, for most users, it, it, it they would end up wanting more, but for like grammar or someone who doesn't know anything about computers, it's probably not a bad idea. Which model of Chromebook is it? I can't remember the model name. I think it was, it was from a while ago. I think it's like from 2000. God, I, I'm sorry. I can't think, remember the, the data. Well, that's kind of like, it's like saying if you buy an old iPad too, if you buy an old iPad and you can't get the latest iOS for it, you're never going to get the newest apps and stuff too. Right. So while, yep. while it works and it's something that has purpose and function, it's still kind of frozen in time with what you can do with it. And uh, yeah. I, yeah, I had an iPad too and I loved it. That was a great tablet. But the problem is after I owned it long enough, uh, basically there was no, no longer any software for it on the app store so i had to end up getting rid of it so a lot of people now are going out and buying like uh ipad ones i mean that, that's fine to buy if you're like in the retro computing and you just <laughs> yeah, want it so for that's scary that an ipad yeah, one is almost like, like vintage tech at this point <laughs> yeah but, <laughs> but yeah it, 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 it's good for like nostalgia something like an ipad one or an ipad two but uh if you're gonna you want to actually actually do anything well there's not much you can do with it I mean, you can surf the web, but it doesn't even run the latest version of Safari or Chrome or anything. So there that's was, a problem. Uh, you just reminded me of an old time in, in uh, tablet history. But yeah, when the first iPad came out, the early days of tablets, and, and, and Apple was notorious from day one. We're not going to support Flash, right? Flash is the devil. We're not going to mm -hmm. run Flash. And at that time, almost any video on the web needed Flash. And so I had inherited I you, from somebody. Your audio stopped, Steve. His video stopped too. <laughs> My audio and video stop. Oh, oh Steve's never looked better. All right. Are you guys there now? Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah. we we can see you now. Okay. I just got a message saying that my internet was unstable. Uh, yeah. Okay. It did. It actually froze dead it for was a few seconds. Very totally, totally dead. Yeah. Okay. Looks like my streaming is back up. I had my yeah. I had. Yeah, so I'm using an experimental setup here, which uh, <laughs> so far is uh, it's working for the most part, right? But yeah, what I was saying was like I, I remember when the old days of the iPads came out and they wouldn't do Flash, and a lot of the early um, web videos were all Flash-based, so you couldn't look at any video on an old iPad. Somebody had given me a, a Nook that was Barnes and Nobles type thing, which is their semi ebook reader based on Android. But um, it, it did have the flash player, so I could actually go to websites, open it up, and look at videos on that little tablet. That was a, a workaround for the iPad limitation at some weird point in history. So, Actually, when your video froze up, Steve, I was about to ask, are you trying to log in with flash on an iPad? Yeah, so right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so that's uh, cool. David, oh, sorry. Yes. You may want to consider looking into Chromium OS it's what I run on my Chromebook, and once I installed it, it worked quite well. Oh, that's good. Um, it's what I have an I have an old uh, Dell uh, Chromebook, and I use it for emulation when I'm when I'm not at home. I uh, have the XROAR emulator and uh, OVCC on it, and it runs uh, pretty good. That's good. So, 
OVCC is a, a cross-platform uh, Coco 3 emulator. XR Online also works for that kind of stuff too, and does all, all the Coco's Dragons and MC10. So it's uh, still a work in progress. So, so you mentioned at VCF Midwest, you like seeing the the famous YouTube guys. Uh, what was there anything else there that you saw that you did you see the Coco Corner that we had when you first walked into that? Yeah, it, actually, I did. Yeah, I did see you there though. You must have not been at the booth or something. Um, did you? There was another celebrity there that you didn't mention, uh, Coco Man from CocoMan.biz. Did you happen to see him in his booth? Yeah, I saw his booth. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's going to make sure we get we get uh, all the props where all these celebrities deserve it. So, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, one thing I'd like to see in the future at VCFF, uh, um, excuse me, uh, Vintage Computer Festival, yeah. is some Amigas. I noticed that there's computers of all types there, but there's no Amigas, which surprised me. Hmm. Uh, well, you did a walkthrough video there too, right? I mean, I took a bunch of pictures. You don't remember seeing any Amigas there this year? No, no. I, I videoed literally every computer that was on display um, in the dealer's area, and no one had a Amiga. I was surprised. Mm, interesting. That surprises me too, because I'm sure I've seen yeah, there Yeah, I remember seeing a lot of it. I remember one corner, there's a whole bunch of silicon graphics systems in there that was kind of cool. Yeah. And, um, it's amazing. Those you can get for a few hundred dollars now, but like when I use silicon graphics, uh, uh, workstations when I was in college, those were like $30,000 computers. <laughs> yeah, now you can buy them cheaper than a Coco 3. Yep. Yeah, right. So that is something. Um, yeah, there was I, some... have a quite, I have ahead, a couple of questions uh, related to your, your Motorola stuff. So are you working at the Motorola? I, I think it was in Schaumburg. Is that still where? I, I used to work at that one. I'm working in the one in Elgin now. Okay. Because um, we had a guest at one of the Coco Fest recently. Steve, you remember the Steve? I'm trying to remember his last name. It had the laser display Moskowitz. show. Oskowitz. Did you know him at the time? Or? The, the last name sounds familiar. I don't think I met him, but I might have seen the name somewhere. That sounds very familiar. Yeah, because he was he was re just retiring, and he had a whole bunch of old Coco ones that he'd custom made this laser display to control lasers to draw shapes and patterns on the walls and do an animated cool. display. You could see the planetarium. He actually gave away all that system stuff when he retired. So at the fest. Cool stuff. Um, yeah, so... What about Coco Fest? Was this your first Coco Fest this year? Yeah, yeah, I had a good time. I really liked the presentations. What about the Nitrous Nine presentation? What did you think about that one? That was interesting. I truthfully, I had never heard of Nitrous Nine, so it it was a a good introduction to it. Um, this is a good use for your Chromebook. We'll get that running. I'm, for I was you. just verbing, <laughs> I was just baiting you. I was hoping you were going to say it sucked, but that's okay. <laughs> Curtis and Ken are here on the call, so yeah. Uh, no, that was good. Quick. Quick question. Do you guys ever get Steve Bjork at the Coco Fest? <laughs> Bjork. We have. Yeah. yeah, he was a couple years ago. He was at one. Yeah, because uh, he, he made some good games for the Coco, uh, like Stellar Lifeline and uh, uh, a few others. I can't remember the names. Uh, Megabug, Mega Popcorn, Canyon Climber, Puyan. Well, you helped with Puyan. Zaxxon. Rampage. Yeah, Pitfall 2, uh, Super Pitfall. Super Pitfall, yeah. Yeah, he made some good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's actually he might, in our Discord on occasion, too. So you can, if you do join there, you might be able to actually talk to him in person. He might right, even be cool. watching the stream today. He might be. Rick yeah. Adams as well. Yeah, Rick yep. Adams was there at the show. Off of Shanghai uh, and Temple of Rome. And... Nick Marentes, who's on the call right now, he did the game developer presentation, him and a few other people, too, that were there. Yeah, Ghana Buona was another one that they're mentioning. A lot, a lot of games. Desert Rider. Yeah, Desert yeah. Rider. Sands of Egypt. Sands of Egypt. <laughs> 
and the list goes on yeah um cool so that's cool that you're doing gaming now and you're doing gaming you're making modern computer games based on your kind of vintage hobby of of kind of war gaming which is kind of cool uh everybody's got a hobby somewhere right so um that's cool i i don't know if there's anything else you want to tell us or if anybody in the live chat or the panel has questions for you david i got um, a question for you go ahead mr dill all right hey um what does motorola do now basically oh uh public safety stuff uh the division i work in works uh, makes uh, 911 networks and sells them to the local uh police departments and uh fire departments and stuff are they building chips or no uh motorola end up breaking into two pieces uh motorola solutions and motorola i'm actually at motorola solutions so we just do public safety whereas the motorola that broke off that was bought by the chinese uh they they took the chip stuff, but I don't know if they still make chips uh, or not anymore. They do the phone. I thought I thought that split into Freescale and then went to NXP Philips. Hmm. Freescale and then NXP is what is what. But yeah, so I I think you're probably aware that the co- the color computer's processor was made by Motorola, right? The sixty eight oh nine is Motorola, and, yep. and, and that Motorola made the sixty eight thousand series that a lot of things ran on, like the Amigas and. Um, and they were making the power pc processors that eight thousand risk chips all kinds of stuff yeah then. so motorola did a lot of cpu stuff for a long mm-hmm. time uh, especially the coco which is yeah so that's kind of cool that you started off on a computer based on a motorola processor and now you're working for motorola right so yep <laughs> the circle is now complete uh, yeah so. <laughs> hey, hey david i was wondering do you work with the moto turbo stuff uh I used to work with a project called VTrack, and uh, some of the software it would deploy was from Mo- Moto Turbo. I'm not actually sure what Moto Turbo is, uh, but I've heard of it. We use and what, a- what operating system do you guys run <clears throat> on your on your Motorola stuff for? Uh, I'm not sure what they're using on their, as far as an operating system, to be honest. Uh, What I do there is I create software that's used to design uh, new networks. So like, let's say a customer says, we need a new network for this uh, police department or fire department or whatever. Uh, the, The software helps the engineers place the the different uh, servers into the racks and stuff. And then it figures out the cable lengths and stuff. So they just place the servers in the racks, get them set up however they want. They press a button, Dijkstra's algorithm runs, or actually a modified version of it, and it gets the cable lengths for everything. Interesting. So kind of network planning. Yep. Very cool. James Diffendapper says NXP still makes chips too, so... Yeah, I remember when I used to have a Motorola Droid phone, and when they were when when Motorola was still making hardware phones, and then I think at some point in time that name had gotten purchased, and later Motorola phones I'd bought were actually made by Lenovo, and I know Lenovo, which used to be an IBM thing, was bought out by I think somewhere in China too. So these things. Lenovo is a Chinese company, and they bought IBM's PC division, so they make all the desktops and laptops. Actually, they made them before. Before IBM even sold them the line, they basically contracted them out, so they didn't make them here. Okay. Yeah, cool stuff. Um, so, uh, what what have you seen? Uh, have you seen our show before, Coco Talk? Uh, I, I think I saw an episode or two. Yeah, in, in the past. 
Yeah, we. I think we're on our fourth episode now. So if you've seen an episode or two, you've seen most of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I our think fourth good episode. Hundreds. Hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are two episodes. Don't count. I, I've watched your. I, I've watched your other YouTube channel quite a bit. Your uh, uh, OG Stevie Stroh channel. I watch quite a bit. Oh yeah, that's legendary. There's uh, there's tens of twenties of people that have seen that thing. So <laughs> yeah, but legendary in, in his own mind. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, um, let's make sure we we plug um, Dave's channel for the um, computer hobbyists and put that put that one out there in the uh, in the live chat for us. Uh, that is in the description. Let me see if I can stick that out there for you right now. So yeah, I think we just I just I posted it earlier. Posted okay, it again. we'll we'll post it again. So we'll go ahead and make sure everybody's got your YouTube channel. They can check that out. So on that YouTube channel, you've got a tour of VCF Midwest that you did this year. You've got a tour of Cocoa Fest that I looked at this morning that looked pretty cool. Uh, and then you did an, you and I did an interview together where you were asking me about my first color computer and what got me into computers and stuff. So I'm glad I could return the favor and get you on here with us for an interview. Yeah, I appreciate and, it. Thank you. And um, hopefully more people will subscribe to your channel and watch your videos and all that kind of good stuff. We've got to support each other here in the Coco community and the retro sphere. Um, if, if nobody has any questions, or maybe the questions will come up during the show, you're welcome to hang out. We're going to be here for hours on end, David. But you're all welcome right. to hang out I, as long I as you like. I can hang out about another 25 minutes. Uh, okay. I'll stay until 1. All right. David, how often do you come out with new videos on your, on your channel? Just so Do you have a schedule or do you just kind of do them as they come on the board game channel, Centurion's Review, I, I've come out with like three or four videos a week. As far as computer hobbyists, about one every two or three weeks. Uh, the computer hobbyist videos are more uh, involved than the videos for the board game channel. I mean, the board game channel videos are easy to make. Like if you're doing like a playthrough, you just set up the game and start set up the camera and start playing. So, I mean, if the game takes a half hour to play it'll take another half hour or an hour to edit and then you can just post it so most of the videos for the centurions review take like less than two hours to create including editing so those i can do like four a week whereas uh computer hobbyists uh th those take significantly more time like uh some of the ones where i show people how to write code uh I got to write the code on my own and stuff. So one of the videos I did about creating a text box from scratch, I had to spend a few, uh, maybe four hours uh, uh, writing the code for it. And then uh, created the video where I showed people how it worked and stuff. And I did one that was a review of this uh, laptop I'm using right now. And that one took about uh, maybe 10 hours to create. Wow. Yeah, even our show takes you know multiple hours just to record it, and and we kind mm -hmm. of just gave up on editing. <laughs> Do it live, right? We'll make we'll we'll make it up in volume. If we make a mistake today, <laughs> we'll make less mistakes on a future episode. Yeah, we're gonna get louder and louder <laughs> as time goes on. That's our plan. Cool. All right. Well, feel free to hang out. Definitely. Thanks for joining us today. And oh, um, you're welcome. And Thank if, you for having me. Oh, oh, my pleasure. And if you have like, uh, if you have another video that's that you're going to be releasing in the future, especially if it's retro related, if you want to come on our show and kind of do a teaser or a world premiere or a plug and you know, uh, let us let, get the word out for you. Feel free to, to come on whenever you got more things to promote. Love to have you back on. Um, All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Cool. All right. So what we'll do now is we're going to go ahead. We will take a break. We will thank our patrons for sponsoring our show. We'll see who's new to Discord. 
We'll take a commercial break, and then we'll come back with the Game On results. I believe we've got a new uh, Coco Thoughts from Samuel Gimes as well. Uh, so we'll see what all's going on here um, as I press a few buttons here. So let's start off by thanking our patrons, and then we'll see who's new to Discord. And Jason, the Coco Man is here. That's one of the celebrities you saw at VCF Midwest was Coco Man. <laughs> so, um, and, and the lovely... I'm uh, just here for the free snacks. Yeah, the lovely Sarah was there too. Is Sarah in the car with you? I am. Hello, hey, everyone. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. Thank you, patrons. Give them a man a bag of peanuts. At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor programs. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Bowden Aaron, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daniel Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Rick Eulin, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom Heron, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Benja Jonah. I'm Benjamin and I'm into the Coco 2 and 3. Idle PX. Hi. My name is Jamie. I haven't touched a Coco since I was a teenager, but, I have a Coco 1 and Coco 2 that I picked up to play with. Just looking to learn more and see what is available and fun these days, both hardware and software-wise. Drekisk. Hi. My name is David. I bought my first Coco 2 to replace my OSI Challenger 1P back in the early 1980s. This very handsome man by the name of Steve did a YouTube video mentioning this server in Discord, something I've never used before. So, here I am. The previous bios were edited for time's sake. Thanks to, Melly, Boysontech, Paul Fiscarelli, Terry Stagee, and the Coca Talk patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. At discord.cocotalk.live. Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Talk crew of people. Hey everybody, this is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous 9. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual, and yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. 
any resemblance to actual events to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Hi, this is Max Jackson, live from Coco Fest. And you listen to The Real Game, Steve Shrow. today at lcurtisboyle.com. Hi, this is Sean Wheatley, and you're listening to Coco Talk, the original gamer, Stevie Stroke. All right, and we're back. And this is the part of the show where um, typically Nick Morota was really, really uh, a big fan of this segment here because uh, his name was mentioned many, many times. He got to talk, hear himself be worshipped and all those good things and so while nick morona is not with us in person he's always with us in spirit and we do look forward to having him back on the show in the future but in the meantime we carry that torch of the game on challenge um the game on challenge with nick morona featuring nick morona's stunt double ken waters canadian retro things we still have him being the role still being filled by a canadian so we're fulfilling our contractual obligations in that regard there um and we kick these things off usually with a um a deep thought, a cocoa thought from the deep thinker Samuel Gimes. Now, sometimes Samuel Gimes' thoughts are related to the game. Sometimes they're song parodies. I'm not sure what we're going to get today. This one's like a box of chocolates. You just don't know what you're going to get. But we're all going to experience this together, the world debut of uh, a new cocoa thoughts from Samuel Gimes. So fasten your seatbelt, boys and girls. And now, Cocoa Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I am the Game Crasher. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Shoot all the computers. Beautiful. Bang, it's seasonal bang, bang, and bang, relevant. Bang. <laughs> Don't shoot the programmers. Bang, 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 bang. Kill all the black suit guys. Bang, 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 bang. Bang, 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 bang. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I'm out of ammo. Click, 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 click. Mission failed. Mission failed. <laughs> oh my god that was classic 
Uh, hey guys, what was that Wolfenstein clone called uh, that they just showed? That looked cool. That's a game by our Nicholas Morentes on the call right now. The game's called Gatecrasher. Oh, cool. That was our game this week for the Game On Challenge. Yeah, you'll be seeing a lot more of it right away here. <laughs> oh my God. Samuel Glimes, we salute you, sir. For those about to rock, click, 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 we click. salute yeah. you. Oh, man. <laughs> it was about the game. It's tied into the holiday season. That is a new instant classic. Woo. That's, a, that's an earworm if I ever heard one. Oh, yeah. Bang, bang, <laughs> bang, bang, bang. I'll get strange looks from my family, but I'm playing that at Christmas. Yeah, right. And we've just been joined by Brian, the music man. And, I, and on your video, David, when you showed Coco Fest, you had pointed out that Brian was playing the music at Coco Fest from right. the MIDI controller. This is the guy who did it here in the bottom yeah, corner yeah, of the screen. Yeah, yeah. Hello, oh, everybody. Cool. Hey, Brian, the music man. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and kick it off. Let's get into the high score results and the game on challenge uh, and all that good stuff. So let's see who played and let's see what the scores were this week. High score challenge. Welcome, everybody, to the results of this week's Coco Talk Game On Challenge of the Week, where we played Gatecrasher. There were a total of 12 players, so let's see how everybody did. Had David Craker with 170. Bang, Canadian bang, Retro bang, Things with bang. 370. Coco Man, 680. Jim Rye, 760. Sloopy Malibu, 810. Data Soup, 860. Nick Morentes, 1510. I'm the author. Mr. Dave, 6309, 1570. L. Curtis Boyle, 1960. HSI, 2450. Wow. Buck Owens, 3340. Buck Owens is not in first place. And the number one score this week belongs to. Flutterball with 3360. Congratulations to everybody that played this week, and we will see you next week. All right. Congratulations, Flutterball. I think that's a new first-time high score winner, possibly. And yeah, I, think, I think it is. I think that's the highest score you can get in that game, isn't it, Nick? Pretty well. Yeah, the scoring's pretty fixed in uh, Gatecrasher. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, and he made it right to the end. Yeah. So, yeah. And Buck was saying that he missed one guy, so that's why he was 20 yeah. points behind. Wow. So. All right. Well, let's take a look at Buck Owens. Um, did post a video here. Uh, let's see. Is this, yeah, this is Buck's. Of the end of the game. Uh -oh. And who you get to kill. Is it JR? Carrie's <laughs> uh, about to go in. Uh oh, going through a door. Uh oh. Mm -mm -mm -mm. The final door. I think he's uh -oh, going to go uh -oh. in. He's waiting. He's waiting. Uh -oh. There we go. Oh, well, who is that? Who is that? Is that Ted Koppel? <laughs> <laughs> David Led. It's David Led with the hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's <Ooh>. the gate. <laughs> So the and object of the, the game, game is the... to actually kill Bill Gates? Yeah, thus the, the title of the game makes sense. Terminated. Terminated. Mission accomplished. Now remember, this was, 
This was back in 1999. Uh, everyone hated Bill Gates and yeah, Microsoft right. back then. <laughs> Some of us still do. Oh, yeah, that's that's he, right. Yeah. He won't be back. <laughs> I'll, I'll have you know, Nick, that last night I was watching this over and over because uh, Windows updated on my computer and nothing would work after that. And I was cursing a lot. So I just, for feeling better, I was watching this video. <laughs> Good job, Buck. All right, and Mr. here Gates. is some footage from Flutterball. Flutterball. In this bang, video, bang, he bang, makes bang, it all the bang. way to the end, but he runs out of the... This is his second playthrough. Made it all the way to the end, but he ran out of ammo, ammo trying to kill Bill Gates. And uh, yeah, didn't didn't win it in this one. Click, 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 click. Click, yeah. Click, click, click. <laughs> yeah, and, and we should mention that uh, Nick actually patched the game to make it a bit easier for everybody because the yes. original settings are almost impossible. And if you ran out of bullets, you would die. Well, you still, you run out of bullets, you die. But we took the timer off because uh, most people yeah, that you were could die it, from health, you could die from running out of time, you could die from running out of bullets. Even if there was more bullets left in the level, you just hadn't found them yet, but you just instantly died because you ran out of bullets, mm -hmm. which made yeah. no sense. There were a few things I uh, wasn't happy about the game, and and uh, so I pr provided two pokes before the uh, live show just to uh, correct those two annoyances. Now Otherwise, you, no one no one would have gotten. You to the had end. You, I think you had mentioned in the past that you might um, revisit this, like how you've like fixed Donut Dilemma a few times. And yeah, like yeah. You... So that that may become a uh, a future um update to a version two maybe yeah or maybe add joystick control or something else and definitely joystick control i actually played it with joystick uh by using a patch on the pc to make the joystick emulate the keyboard oh otherwise i couldn't play it either <laughs> <laughs> which i think pretty well sums it up yeah but but the funny thing is when david lent saw this and he hadn't seen it before the first words out of his mouth was where did that wolfenstein game come from so right away it was very obvious what this game is like and the fact that it's being done on a color computer an 8-bit system that does not have the speed and power of a pc that wolfenstein ran on uh is is very impressive you know yeah and even as digitized sound effects like the picking up of ammo rounds and health and All stuff right. is pretty yeah. similar to those games yeah, the the sound is good. There's no sound in this video playing at the moment, but um, you have the, the option of doing that, Ken, just so people can hear what it sounds like. Uh, he has, there was no sound in this video. No, this sound. Oh, this, this one, one didn't. didn't huh? And uh, uh, Buckle I've got I've video. got a short video I can quickly play to, that shows okay. some of the sound. Sure. Uh, but as, as Erica pointed out, the curves in the walls really bring something to this display. It's so much nicer than it, just a straight boxes. Right. The, uh, yeah, kind of like you're that. wearing uh, goggles or something. The fish some eye. Sort of it's a fish goggles. eye, yeah. It's a, a well, side effect just... of the 3D engine. Which and it gives... is something I don't like, actually. I, I like it. It gives you resolution that isn't really there by having the curves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly, there's lots of little mastermind games yeah. to open the doors. Ah, uh, yeah. With a bug, apparently. Uh, yeah. The... There was one bug there, too, yeah. Did that get fixed or that's a feature? No, no, you can you can work around it. It's a yeah, it's a feature. It's a feature. That's right. If well, you don't find... forget, this is the Microsoft Corporation, so ah. their, their security <laughs> system is meant to have bugs. 
Yeah, did you, get, figured... you guys hit that special blue screen of death that comes up in the middle of the game? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> damn bad guys shooting at you. So it's very realistic. <laughs> that yeah. would be funny if you did a, like a, 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 a fake B, BSOD on there. That's that's one of your kill screens when you die. Yeah, <laughs> right. Do you have your video there with sound there, Nick? Or uh, yeah. Do you have to stop okay, sharing? I will stop sharing and. Actually, if you wing the computers you're shooting at, it should blue screen, and they have to shoot it again, and then it dies. Right. Yeah, that's a good idea. I will share my screen. Go for it. Make sure you share sound. I'm going to share sound. Share. Okay, is that coming up? Let me see. Uh, uh, black, black screen with a player. Okay, yep, yes. I'm going to hit play. Hit play. Woohoo. Oh, you shot the programmer. Do you lose points for shooting for arcade sound? CEO battle. Click, 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 click. Click, click. Oh, there he is. <laughs> does Bill shoot back at you? Uh, yes, he does, I think. He likes to make yeah. Santa Claus sound. It's ho, 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 ho. Obviously inspired by Gaim's song. Sounds more like the Noid from the old uh, commercials. Pizza Noid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so your health is at one bar on the left. Huh? H is your health? Yeah. And yeah. his ammo yeah, will be really low, too. This so. one shot left. Yeah. This is the unpatched version. Uh-oh, you're out of bullets? No, I'm dead. So does this game require 128k of RAM then, or 512? Uh, 512. Oh, okay, gotcha. So oh, if you well. don't have a 512 uh, Coco 3, you, you just got to use one of the emulators. You can emulate it. So what mm -hmm. does it say? Terminated mission accomplished. Did you accomplish it or not? Uh yes, because there's a picture of Bill Gates and it says terminated so mission you, accomplished. So you did kill Bill Gates? Yeah, you terminated him. But 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 it said. But well, your video, because you you died with mission failed. So. I think he was just showing the different screens. Oh, okay. So uh, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, so yeah. You cheated, right in other words. Gotcha. I cheated. Okay. In other words, yeah. <laughs> you were watching the demo, Stevie. Okay. Um, it wasn't actual gameplay. It was a demo. Okay. There you go. No, but the sound effects are really good. Yeah. yeah he's got the the thumping when you walk. He's got the clicking when you pick up the ammo clips and. Yeah. Like, we need some picture. like some Duke Nukem sound bites in there to come get some. Ooh, that's gotta <laughs> hurt. Right, should be end. <laughs> See, or, Nick, you're getting all these good or, ideas or, now or, for at, part at least, two. At least a David Ladd one. A rally, a rally, <laughs> a rally. Okay, cool. Well, that'll be version two. <laughs> and what characters will you have in that one? David Ladd, <laughs> the successor to Bill Gates. Uh, it's well, called Weasel Crasher. Really? Weasel Crasher. <laughs> Weasel Crasher. <laughs> so what else you got for us, Mr. Waters of Canadian Retro Things? Um, well, so... Um, Do we have tips yeah, and tricks it, from the audience? I did not get a lot of time to play this game. I did play it a bit, and I had a lot of fun. But, um, yeah, what were the tips and tricks other people discovered because if definitely remember moves. the shift key for uh, moving yeah. faster left and right because a lot of people that have played it and didn't read the directions did not know that so you're doing the slow crawl turning left and right slow turning to 
keep getting shot by the. There's a map suits. available. Um, who yeah. who is the winner? Uh, who was the winner of the game comp? Um, Flutterball. Flutterball made some maps. Um, they're available on the Discord. Some really well done maps. So I highly recommend grabbing those maps to play it. Just makes it easier. So you're not running around like wondering where to go. You know exactly where the where the um, um, the suits are and programmers and uh, ammo loads and health. Yeah, and the computers you have to shoot to get up the and, level. And the computers, yeah. Nick, I just want to say thanks for making this. When I found, actually stumbled upon it a couple of weeks ago, man, I was blown away. I can't <laughs> believe it could be done on a Coco. It was, it was and, pretty huge when you released this back in, was it 99 or 2000? I'm trying to remember. 99, well, yeah, 99 is when I, I finished it. And, and I don't I think did... I mentioned it last week, but Terry was the one that uh, suggested we play it, so. Yeah. Is Terry getting a portion of the proceeds from the uh, sales on this as well? Or? Uh, well, it's free <laughs> now, a, so. He gets a free Ferrari. <laughs> free Ferrari. All of us yeah. gullible people back in 2000 that bought it, we're the ones that you know paid for that. So. <laughs> the Hot Wheels, I got a hurdle. That's it. <laughs> and in the Discord, uh, um, Nick did post the uh, file for if you wanted to print out your own uh, custom sleeve for the disc if you put it on discs. Oh, so. neat. Yeah, which is what Nick did back in the day. He'd have the directions and stuff printed on the disc sleeve itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was cheaper than boxes. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool stuff. Any other tips and tricks or just fond memories of playing the game this week? Um, uh, has famous Arnold Schwarzenegger line if it moves, kill it. If it moves, <laughs> kill it, huh? <laughs> Unless it's a programmer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I found wow. um, a few tips I had is if you're if you're having a suit run away from you down a long hallway, if you actually follow him, you can kind of keep him center tracked until he hits a corner. And if you got it aimed properly, you can kill him pretty pretty quickly. Um, trying to do them when they're swinging around corners and looping around in, in a, an open but short hallway. They go like left and then behind you and then right and come up the right side, et cetera. So it's much harder to hit. So I usually back myself as far as I can go. So I have a long forward area to try to mm -hmm. hit them with. Um, the mastermind game, I usually just do like RRR and then you'll you'll see either one red bar or, or dot or, or none or whatever. And then you can kind of figure out how many of other colors you have to guess. And that seems to help a fair bit. Um, and of course, they reset if you, you get it wrong afterwards, six tries or something. Six, yeah. So I um, I tend to uh, make sure that I've, I'm well loaded up with health and ammo before I enter a new level and then enter the level fully charged and just go for the go for the suits. Just blast them as quick as you can because the quicker you get rid of them, then you don't keep getting annoyed and shot at later on when you're trying to find ammo and uh, more um, health. Yeah. So One I, other I thing, I guess, to... to mention, too, on, on health and ammo, both, if you're already maxed out or just about maxed out, if you pick some up, it doesn't keep extra in reserve. Like, no, it just maxes no. out. So you'll basically be wasting a clip or wasting so some So save health. some, yeah. So if you're in good or, health and you find one, don't pick it up. Leave it for when you And remember it. where it is so that you can go back to get it later. Yeah, I never remembered where stuff was in that game. Well, that's right. You <laughs> run around door to door. Look, Even looking at the map, it. I still didn't have a clue where I was most of the time. So There's a few areas where the computer is hidden behind a uh, a little doorway that sometimes if you don't go there and actually look in the little corridor way you don't see the computer 
so you know you enter the room you can't see any computer but you you know unless you go into the corner of the room to look you know down the uh, corridor it'll yeah, be a tiny know. little l shape and that little yeah, tip of the l is where right. you can't see much you've got to go in there and have a look um many times i've been had one computer left and I, I can't find it anywhere and it's just that one room where there's a little l-shaped corridor and a computer is tucked away there it's obviously the, the secret room where the programmers go to watch porn through yeah. the day and that's why it, <laughs> that's why it, why it's so hidden <laughs> hey so, so nick knowing what you know now and all the things you've learned and optimizations and better programming techniques and stuff um, do you think now, you know, 20 years later, you could make that engine and tune it more? For sure. Yep. Yeah, no, definitely can. Not only tune the engine, but also there's a lot of things. I don't, I don't like the way the scoring works. Um, like Ken said before, basically the, the, the score is fixed. When you play the entire game, you there's only a certain number of, of suits um, and computers that you can collect. If you collect them all, you'll get the same score every time. I would have preferred a more uh, a scoring system where you can actually get more score the harder you um, try. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe get bonuses for unlocking doors bonuses. first try or something. Bonuses. you complete yeah. a level, for example, whatever time you a do time the bonus, level. In. Or maybe yeah, like, things um, like that. Uh, if you... Leftover ammo at the end of the game and health. Yeah, some sort of a reward. I don't think there is system. such a thing, is there? <laughs> and then um, maybe bonus for like consecutive kills, like kill streaks, if you got two or three kills in a row without missing. Well, yeah, like the woohoo moment should be bonus At the points. moment you get the woohoo, but yeah, I should have okay. put a score there, for example. Cool. But one I mean, thing I didn't know before until you you told me about it, Nick, during the gameplay t uh, this week, is that uh, the woohoo doesn't matter what you kill. You can kill like one of the programmers too, and that counts. Yeah, it, it, I think it's two or three rapid kills of anything. Um, it, it's basically a um, it's a recording of uh, Homer Simpson, uh, and he, he just goes woohoo because he gets a bit of an adrenaline right. adrenaline rush. That's his Duke Nukem moment, I guess. Right, yeah, right. yeah. So he doesn't care what he kills as long uh, as he kills. Jeremy Landry says it'd be nice to get a bonus for surviving programmers. So for for how many hostages you can free, you get a bonus for that or something, too. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. accidentally kill. So there's so many things yeah. with the yeah. scoring I can but, improve. But, but the, what, what came to mind when you mentioned if you go into a room and you can't see something, do you think you could get enough... Um, cycles to where you could maybe do like an outline of the walls where it wouldn't be like just blue in front of blue and it's just one big blue blob but you could kind of see the wireframe of ah uh, um... yeah but i want i wanted uh the solid walls okay. I mean, yeah. wireframes for cheating okay. um so, gotcha i mean in a real environment you you can't really you haven't got x-ray vision right so... true true you need to put some x-ray glasses you can find in it and they'll work for a little while so you can see through oh, the walls perk. there yeah. you go <laughs> I, I sense a lot of feature creep on a 20 plus year old game happening here oh yeah there, there's so many things yeah. well you could just linguistic control for starters yeah. so for future feature creeps on this just uh you can dm nick in discord like <laughs> can i get an update for my original 1999 floppy copy yeah you'll get five cents off um <laughs> With the with the with the uh, with the original printed instructions right That's on the a collector, uh, collector's item. That's worth more now. Yeah, I've got one of those too. I'm hoarding it. Oh, yeah. so you're, you're killing so it's, me, Jason. 
It's it's where oh it doesn't say TDP one hundred on it. You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh yeah, despite what Erico says, um, I do want to fix that fish eye because I I think it's ugly. The fish eye look, the curvature that you see on the walls. Okay. I I, I do know of a way to get rid of it. Okay. Well, it is a distinctive. It is a distinctive look that is unique to that game. So well, you, I guess so. Yeah, because so yeah, many yeah. things look like wireframes, and you know, yeah, this one has a rigid, kind of a, a smoothness yeah. to it. A little bit. I thought that was just. Uh, I thought the fisheye thing was just a limitation of the uh, the 3D al algorithm in the cocoa, at least at the time. It, it is. was. It was. Okay. It is. Well, but oh well, if you want to call it a feature, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, it's a look. Right? Jeremy, a look. Jeremy look. Landry says that game needs more donuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. We, that, shouldn't the programmers be carrying donuts? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you got Homer. Woohoo! Don't Woo mm, donuts. Right, right. Curvy walls. And... Yeah, the health the health bits should be donuts. Piles of donuts mm -hmm. on the floor. Just he grabs mm -hmm. and eats them. <laughs> Nick, I'm gonna tell you when I played it first, I thought the curvy walls. If after seeing who's at the end. If you were to back up, it was a labyrinth, and the curves were part of Microsoft. The word Microsoft, the whole. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's an excellent plot twist, isn't it? it you is. had a... right. And again, Erico saying he likes it, so you have one vote just... for fish eye. And if David Lyon is a bad guy, too. it can just be a big yeah. disc that you're in. Right. Ooh, just remember, click, 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 click. Well, I remember, like Nick, back in the day after it was released, because uh, I think I brought up the fish eye thing too at the time, and you said that you, at the time you didn't know how to fix it. That, that was the only reason it's there. Yeah, yeah, there are ways to fix it, but I, anyway. I do have one suggestion for version two. If Mister Lad is our uh, evil uh, boss at the end. Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper grenades. I think that'd be awesome. Oh, there you go. <laughs> diet Dr. Diet Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, I've got my diet Dr. Pepper. And instead of blowing up computers, you there'll be grease weasels. <laughs> Save the world. Get my grease weasel. And mix them. Oh yes, you have that. That that should that could be like a mini bonus game where you have to mix the water and diet Dr Pepper to the, the appropriate right ratios. ratios. Yes, yes. There you go. You got pl plenty of ideas here. No shortage. Of plenty ideas. of feature creep on a twenty-plus-year-old game. Get yes. on it. Right. That's, that's your next so. side project, right? Yeah, Nick. You don't have to design games anymore. We'll do that for you. You just have to write them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, do we have more to say about this? Are we yeah. ready to go? Yes, Alan Murphy has something to say. So everybody, shh, shh, pay attention. Sloopy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry. We're going to call on Sloopy. I won't let Steve move us on before. Okay, well, I, I will just say one away. thing. It was a groundbreaking game for the Coco, kind of like Donkey Thanks, Kong man. by Sockmaster was. We'd never seen a full 3D engine like that before. We'd seen some wireframe stuff. We'd seen some fixed perspective like Phantom Slayer, Dungeons of Dagrath, but this was the first quote unquote true 3D engine. And, and it was based on uh, Sockmaster's uh, Gloom engine. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I didn't know all the math. Well, I didn't <clears> understand <throat> all the 3D. So, I mean, Sockmaster had to explain it to me, and he told me how the algorithm worked, and basically I coded coded the game from that. So he, he takes credit for the engine. That's cool. It was okay. a great game. It was a lot of fun. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's a tough one. 
It'll, it'll get the hairs on the chest growing. <laughs> I'm sure it's broken a few keyboards. <laughs> Groundbreaking, like right. Pump Man, Jason says. Or, um, Ken says. Pump Man. Pump Man. Pump Man. Yeah, pump man. All right. Uh, so, so I we, see uh, Sloopy is back. So I guess we could uh, talk about the live playthrough. It looked pretty successful. Sloopy, are you there? Yes, is I'm here. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, let's see here. Share screen. And this screen and share. This week we had seven players at one time. And uh want to make a special uh, shout out to uh, Mikey Furman, who joined us um, to play, because uh, that was a glaring example, uh, a mission that I didn't say that he played. Uh, we also had uh, uh, the Coco Man with us. I even believe... made it to level two. Yeah. And let me see here. It was. No, that's not him. He did something that no one has done on this game before or on our show before. He was playing on real hardware. Now, I know I had uh, focused on it. Where is it? Nope. And I heard the language got pretty late night on this episode. <laughs> that was me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag blame Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. We'll fix it in post. This is a game you get pretty yeah. heated with. Oh, yeah. That's. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't mind people saying pancakes on the show, but just whatever you do, don't say waffles. What about blueberry I mean, pancakes? I went full waffle. I'm sorry. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, you went full walk. waffle. But you know, we had seven people playing. This is uh, uh, Coco Man in the top left. Okay. Playing that's real hardware. Real hardware. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, because I, I uh, focused I, on I'm, it during the show. I'm surprised I was you know, the only person using real hardware. That's just surprising. But I guess I am a hardware guy, so I gotta I gotta maintain that. Yeah, I gotta, because I gotta use the real to, hardware. Being able to play it and see it and capture it and feeding into Discord takes a lot of stuff. extra hardware and stuff too. Yeah. It's it's cards and stuff. So. I mean, what I was doing was I'm just using a cheapy HDMI capture that I bought on like Amazon or eBay or something, and just running it through OBS. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I and do then, too. Uh, and then I'm nope. taking, you know, I'm using a, you know, a sh shameless plug. I'm using a Wallaby cable to split off my uh, <laughs> RGB, and um, and then I'm, you know, I'm I'm looking at the CM my CM8, but mm -hmm. I'm capturing off a switcheroo, and then you know, running it through HDMI. Yeah, because I, yeah. I know some people have complained if they tried to run it through like a recording hardware, et cetera, or you know, streaming hardware, that there was a delay. So you'd hit a key and mm -hmm. it doesn't take effect at the same time on the screen. So having the splitter where you're actually seeing the live CM8 stream at Coco speed, even if there is a delay on the capture device, that would be much, much easier. Yep, that, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I tried to do uh, stream real, real systems. I have a cheapy uh, USB uh, thing. <clears throat> Unfortunately, yeah. on certain screens, it just does not like the signal from the Coco. On other screens, it's fine. Um, I tried running it on Seamus and like on room zero it looked beautiful but as soon as i went to room yeah room one or two yeah it started like spazzing the screen was like yeah. just like out of sync and kind of shifting up you know it's really weird 
Right. And it just was not playable. And the thing is, is it was really weird because it was worse on my real screen than it was in uh, in the uh, stream. <laughs> it looks so. like your video is frozen, Sloopy. Oh, he's got uh, I'm. I've got the. It he's paused. Pause thing oh, well, then it's it's, yeah. it's frozen by des- design. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was waiting to talk again. This this is actually uh, this is Jason's playing on the real machine. Jason's computer. Yeah. Playing poorly, but yes, on real hardware nonetheless. So, Jason, yeah. in your case, you don't have those weird glitches with your captured stuff, do you? Oh, you can see a little bit of noise on it there, but uh, no, I didn't have. I, I was able to play Seamus uh, last week, and I was using an RGB patch version, but uh, no. So I, 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 like, I think I mentioned that. this before in the last year or two, but we really need to get a list of capture devices that really work properly with a Coco, and so we can help steer people towards getting you know ones that don't yeah. have these weird problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yes. this is just some cheapy no-name. This is HD capture on. But it. see, this like is, he's stick. doing the RGB to HDMI, which is a better way than trying to do composite, right? So yeah, composite capture is hit or miss because the composite signal is way out of spec. Yeah, I personally my... found that um, when I when I'm capturing stuff out straight off the Coco, the really cheap capture cards work the best. The more expensive ones spaz out on me. So everything that I'm capturing off Coco is always on a cheap capture card, and it never fails. Well, I'm glad I went cheap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I, have did, a cheap I did put one. a fan on this thing because it does get a little warm. I had a I had a fan blowing on it. Like I have I've... a I have like a hundred and fifty dollar capture card which won't work with the Coco, and I've got a twelve dollar one which works fine with it. One thing I do notice yeah. on yours is a little. There's a little ghosting on the um, moving around and stuff. You can kind of see some of that, and that's just, I guess, the refreshing of the frames or something that the capture is introducing. Um, but it looks good though. Yeah, it could be. I'd have to I'd try like a local recording at some point and see how that looks. But and Sloopy, you're about to say something too. What were you going to say? Um, yeah, I have a real cheap one, and uh, when it works, the picture is is beautiful. And when it doesn't, it is horrendous. <laughs> so, but um, it's the luck of the draw. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm going to have to dig through uh, my uh, cavern of stuff and try to find my PVR 150 because that thing would digitize, uh, bring in uh, composite video and look gorgeous no matter what. And I've used it on several different classic systems. But, um, yeah, as we can see, uh, uh, had seven people playing. It was quite popular. And uh, we had uh, the uh, Lord Nicholas himself playing. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> hey, I asked you what your name was. You said Lord Nicholas. Uh, now, how are you not in first place, Nick? You you programmed it. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> programmers are not always the best players yes now there are the best cheaters but yeah Yeah, i can cheat well but yeah Yeah. i I haven't played it in years yeah i I had seen that i had seen bill gates there at the end uh, at penfest you had some kind of you had some kind of cheat code or something at least in the demo copy that you had there and showed us but actually it's still in there Ooh. <laughs> but yeah it, it was a, 
quite popular and uh, seemed to be well liked by most people. Yeah, like literally over half of this week's participants were on the live stream, which is yeah. Good. And that's just a reminder that uh, if you do play on the live stream, snap a picture and uh, put it up on Discord to be in the uh, um, scoring chart. Yes, and if you forget to uh, snap a picture of your screen, you can go back to the uh, replay and snap a picture of it from there. Yep. yep. I'm not going to name any names. No, nope, we Sloopy... won't talk about Sloopy. Yes, Sloopy knows who he is. <laughs> has, has anyone played any 3d game on any other 8-bit computer like how does yeah. how does this compare to those i wonder um honestly it's except for you can't hit nothing uh it's pretty equivalent to uh a uh game on the atari 8-bit all right i mean the scene and settings and graphics are different but the same basic gameplay well nick that sounds like a challenge to make it better <laughs> yeah. I, uh... yeah. yeah um uh, to all those uh uh game hackers out there and script kitties uh can we get an aim bot for this <laughs> i just want to point out although i'm absolutely crap at this game um i like the fisheye because the you can see the curve going past your shoulder, so to speak, out of your view to the left and right. So you kind of have more information than the screen could actually show. If it was a straight line, you wouldn't know where the corner was, but because it's sort of curved, I don't know. This, this yeah, whole I, I understand what you're saying. And quite honestly, I like the way it's, it's once you get used to it, I actually like the way it is and because of how quote unquote cartoonish it is, it doesn't bother my uh, vertigo very much. So I was able to play for quite a bit. Um, I played for a good 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes at a time with, with uh, very minimal problems. So, I mean, I, I agree this, I do like the way the, the 3d is done on this. And Sloopy, if you want, um, rather than using an aim bot, just uh, take a marker and just draw crosshairs on your screen because you can't move the gun around. You're always shooting in exactly the same place. So and I, I would shoot right at them and I wouldn't hit them. I it's because you think, didn't draw crosshairs on your screen. Uh, I think I think this game is a uh, stormtrooper emulator. <laughs> Never thought of that. I should have put a piece of like painter's tape on my screen. I was just going to suggest you use a permanent marker, then it's always ready anytime you exactly. want to play Game Crasher. That's what I'm saying. Uh, now I, I'm, I'm waiting to see these uh, CM8s on uh, eBay say they're Gate Crasher ready with that mark on them. <laughs> I actually like the Vetrix with the uh, screen overlay thing. If you make one for your Coco, it has the pre-done uh, you know, crosshairs. Yeah, it might not have a door, but it's got a, it's got a rec, uh, radical. radical for uh, Gate Crasher. <laughs> That's a new product, the uh, shooteroo for you there, Jason. I, I should mention, too, there's multiple that. comments on the live stream and even after the fact of, of how good the flames on the opening screen look, the credit screen. Yeah, the fire, the fire looks good, doesn't it? Yeah. It's fantastic. It's incredible. Flame on. That's right. Flame on. <laughs> oh. And my last. Of, uh, 
There was a lot of uh, get to the chopper comments while we were playing. That's <laughs> right. And my last comment about the uh, the whole show is I've t asked many people about the um, the intro uh, graphic, and people are like, "What intro graphic?" So since everybody starts late, I figured I would show them. This is what it looks like when you when the show first starts streaming. Live, we'll be playing Gatecrasher by Nick Morantes. Now that you only play on the uh, the disc, that on the live YouTube. Yeah, I start the stream with this because I found that people didn't start until like five ten minutes after I started streaming, and to reduce the amount of time of just me sitting there. I put this up so that people know that it's about to start. That way they get their notification and then they can get whatever they're doing and get to watching. It makes sense. Right. Perfect. And you're yet another one of them streamers going, are we on yet? <laughs> Anyone here? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Cause, uh, I, I like to have the audience members. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you're on the wrong show. <laughs> Hey, I don't care if we have to do a weekend at Bernie's type setup where we have a bunch of people that are, let's Ed. just say, they're, they're not exactly 100% living, but at least having them sit there watch, I mean, I'm good with that. I'm not too picky. We rate very high with cats and dogs. That too. Ow. Oof, that was rough. All right. Good, good times. So, and thanks for doing that, Sloopy. Yeah. I, I like that. And you. back to you, Ken. Okay, well, um, because next weekend is Christmas, so I'm told. Um, Do you guys celebrate the, that in Canada, or is that just an American holiday? Um, we started. We've we've started. We've taken on the uh, tradition. You've adopted that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah normally, we celebrate Boxing Day. Yeah. Boxing Day. Where everybody in the family puts on boxing gloves, and you just get to punch each <laughs> other. Well, well didn't you get me a better gift? Yeah, that type of thing. I thought you just put everyone in boxes and give them away. I like that idea. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, so um, we do have two games for this uh, next two weeks. I did say I was going to put an adventure game in there, but honestly, I just completely ran out of time and did not have time to figure one out. So I will... Oh, got to share my screen first. Double header. Double, double. Double down. We're playing Mac OS 10. Oh, dun, sorry. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, <laughs> and here in sexter. the wrong color set. Ooh. <laughs> this is Thexter. It's the sexy version of Thexter. This okay. is Thexter. And does it matter if we play the, nit the Nitrous 9 EOU version or if we well, play the I was going to say, let's let's not forget that we can actually play this on the Nitrous 9 Ease of Use uh, project. It's there. So you can play it there or you can uh, get your own copy. Or if you have the cartridge, you can play this. Uh, copy right here. Ooh, I got a cartridge of this. So do I. So I got a whole box and a cartridge. It's the first game I've ever I ever ran into where I got a copy of it, tried it. I didn't have a Coco Three yet, tried it, and I thought, oh, this cartridge doesn't work. So I didn't know you couldn't play it on the Coco Two, but figured that out later on. Good thing you kept it because some people have done that and sold it off, then thinking it was defective. Yeah, well, yeah, I've got a lot of defective cartridges that I've just hung on to in case I need the cases or something, or someday I will take them apart and try to fix them. Okay, so that's game number one. 
Ooh. Game number two. Oh, oh, cool. Oh, Dragon Slayer. Oh, yeah. That, that's a cool one. Yeah. So. Oh, and an Dragon artifact Slayer. goodness. Dragon Slayer. In all of its glory. So That's a goes. big game, too. I would like to see how far some of the people get in that. Mm-hmm. There's 160 screens, I think, if I remember correctly. Wow. Huge. Ty, I, I just love how you have to go, you'd have to go all the way back to the beginning to pick up one thing because you can only carry one, one thing, at, thing a at a time. Or you yes, just move I, them from screen to screen as you're going. Oh, just as tedious. Okay. <laughs> and just so people know, um, because of next week being the uh, the, uh, the holiday, and uh, I guess we're not going to have a show next week. If right. I remember. Well, certainly. just I just want to remind yeah. because I don't think It'll anybody. It'll be a clip show. I, I, had, yeah. I had asked everybody, or I just put out a general call, if people would like to submit us some clips and we yes. could run a sizzle reel of, of stuff, you know, people saying what they were thankful for from this year, what they're looking forward to next year, anything like that. Happy holidays, anything. Yeah. So it would be neat if we could come up with a community reel of people sending us clips about stuff that we could air on Christmas Day. So if people would like to send us stuff, I would splice it all together and run something that we could just run out. Um, and you know, if that doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, uh, depending on, uh, depending on, I know a lot of people will be out of town or with family and this and that and the other, but, um, there is a chance that once Christmas is over at the Strowbridge house with, you know, the kids have unwrapped their gifts and blah, blah, blah. And now they're back to, they don't care about us anymore. I might be able to do a spontaneous, (laughs) um, a spontaneous something or another Christmas day too. Uh, even though we might not have a full panel, maybe we could still do something. So it's, it's anything's possible. But I would love to yeah. have some community content we could just run as a reel, you know, some okay. ha- happy, happy, joy, joy stuff, you know. So submit your right. uh, community reel thing that you want to be shown on Christmas Day, people. Come on. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, Keep yeah. your reel okay. real. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how do we submit that? Okay. Uh, you can send it to us on Discord. You can send it to an email at cocotalk at cocotalk.live. You could send it with a self-addressed stamp envelope. Um, and then we'll talk about it for carrier pigeon. Yeah, yeah. Smoke signals. Uh, wax uh, wax cylinder would be another method of doing that. Uh, paper tape. You can submit it on paper tape. We'll, we'll accept that. Uh, RFC punch cards. 11. Punch cards, sure. Yeah. RFC 1149. R- uh, that's fine, too. 49 is a good I've one. got these old 80-column punch cards. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. As, as I was saying, um, our show, our game on will continue on Thursdays, and um, the uh, next week we will be uh, focusing uh, on playing Thexter, hmm. and then the following week we will be focused on playing this game, Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer. Dragon yes. Slayer. Um, so that we're not like burnt out by playing both on the same same day. So you will, you can play either one on either day, but we will be trying to focus on Thexter um, this coming Wednesday, and then the following Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's, we will be uh, focusing more on Dragon Slayer. Now, this is I got a question. This is a challenge for Samuel Gimes now to come up with some type of crossover mashup song parody that addresses both games too. Sorry, Ron, go ahead. I have a serious question here. Okay. Um, what do the dragon people feel about this game? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Ron. It doesn't help for them. I believe well, this it's... game was originally on the dragons, so. Uh, ironically, no, it it's in artifact colors. 
Yeah, yeah I don't think it was a British game. Well, oh, it's a, yeah, Dragon Slayer is available on the Dragon. Maybe I should play it on my Dragon. On that, one, they, on that one, they call it Coco Slayer. So. Ah. <laughs> well, and Thursday, Thursday is a holiday of sorts. It's the day before Christmas Eve, or it's uh, Festivus. So oh, we can oh, yeah. we can uh, we can bring out the metal metal pole and uh, air our grievances during the game on stream. I don't know if I oh, want to do that though, oh. because David Ladd, if he brings a metal pole, might start dancing, and that kind of scares me. Yeah, we're, we're not playing, <laughs> we're not playing Joust or Lancer mm. or Buzzard Bait, so no pull me closer, tiny Lancer. You know, next Saturday yeah, I'm gonna but... start my Christmas shopping. <laughs> no, are you shopping at the gas station? Seven <laughs> Eleven at midnight on Christmas Eve. You're getting air mm. fresheners for Christmas. <laughs> That's right. Everybody loves jerky. <laughs> If you wait till Sunday, there'll be great prices on stuff. Uh, ooh, and I also, I also wanted to mention that uh, because this all ends on New Year's Eve, I will be ending the uh, submission time a little earlier because I don't want to be sitting here at uh, 12 o'clock on New Year's Eve getting everything ready for the show on January 1st. So it'll be around noon my time that I'll be ending it. So That's Canadian time, so you double yeah, it. Yeah, Canadian uh, Pacific time. Yeah. So when's the next real so, talk? That's like first. Did you say noon February Pacific? 1st? So that's three o'clock. January first. January. 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 Well, I will try to do something Christmas Day, and add an ad an ad hack impromptu <laughs> Coco talk, which would be completely different from any other Coco talk. It's not ad hoc or impromptu. Yeah, because uh, these are all so well scripted. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Also, just for those wondering if they want to play it on real hardware, um, Thexter, if you have the cartridge, is a 128K Coco 3 game. <clears throat> if you're playing it off of disc, I think it needs 512, and it definitely needs 512 if you're running under Nitro Sun. Dragon Slayer is a Coco 1, 2, or 3, and it only requires 32K. And if you're wondering how to load it up on um, Nitrous 9, uh, actually, I think I did that in my first video i actually loaded this game up so you know a plug for my channel so yeah good launch g I'm gonna, show i'm gonna do a, i'm gonna do a video about loading the rom pack version there you go. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get right on that all right oh let and, me know no when cheating you on the nitrous nine one because you can skip levels and give yourself infinite lives a bunch of other stuff if, if you read the help but just play it the standard way yes oh i'm waiting for that cartridge uh how to because i've never been able yeah. to play mine because um, i don't know how to use it i'll get i'll get on that uh after the show all right i'll Thank put it you. i'll put it up on my channel i'll let you know it's going to be a 25 part series though so it might yes, not be done for you know we now go on with our 25 part series of how to load some, hero, pack. Yeah, some heroes Insert don't wear pack. capes <laughs> what do you have an episode for every pin on the card or something or what? <laughs> that would be 40 part then wouldn't it and then using the multi-pack. Oh yes, that that's that is all. That's a spin-off series on how to load it yeah, from the multi-pack. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, we have our games. We have our stuff. Um, so we I heard, think we should do some more game stuff. Well, we do. We need. We have some game on news. I'm wondering if we should take a break. Um, Ron, do we need to take a break? We can. But okay. Terry Steady, aren't you using that black computer back there? Yeah, I am. Okay, okay. Looks like it's mothballed just sitting there. Okay, so Curtis Bull, you have some game on news, do you not? Yes, I do. 
Is also, it... Stevie, I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch last week's episode? Because we had kind of an update on a bunch of game projects. I did not. I did not. Okay, because there was a few people that couldn't make it. So actually, we have some updated videos from them. So there's some game update projects on oh. today's Ooh. Updates to the updates. Okay. Dragon content was heavy with this one. Hmm. Okay, so uh, what do we want to do? You want to take a break before you do the game on news, or you want to just roll into game on news? I think yes. I'll just roll into that, then we'll take a break before the real news. Oh, okay. okay. I'm going to tell you news. right now, I'm going to need to take a break to make a pot of coffee, or I'm not going to make it through the show. Uh, I've been doing, I've been teaching night classes, and I'm ready to melt in this chair here. So uh, mm-hmm. I need a, I need some point in time where I can take a break to start the coffee pot. So well, we'll don't do you it. usually sleep through the news anyway? Well, I want to think you're getting... Isn't that Mikey? Yes. drugs a lot faster you just yes. pop so um so we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep the game on news rolling and then i guess we'll take a break after game on news so i can make some yeah. coffee there's only eight so that's not too many okay roll on so El Curtis. Boyle. take it away yeah. l curtis okay. boyle game on news with l curtis boyle everybody okay you guys seeing that coco bond from redbeard Yes, Paul Fair. so he was actually one of the people we invited on for our big you know christmas game update game project update he wasn't able to make it last week because he was actually ill. Um, but he did put out a video here. So he kind of goes a big explanation here. And he's kind of got some animations now. Even on the hey screen, there, you can everybody. see the little box Welcome going around. And Coco Bond. I'm going to talk about it, but I'll just fast forward a bit here to show some of the actual game play as he's got now. So you got the game save slots. You can save game save progress. Healthy, yes. All right. So there I am up in the left-hand corner. And next to me is what's called the gem slot. Um, that you move these little gems into and when all of them are filled with gems this lock right here will disappear um, and then this key deactivates this lock and this lock right here is done by lasers so lasers. these will emit lasers, Freaking lasers and they will stop at gems um, and they will stop at walls and they will stop at mirrors, but they can reflect off of mirrors if you have the angled side towards the laser. Um, and then the lasers go into these receptacles. And there's four in this level, so you'd have to get a laser into each one. And then this lock will um, unlock. Wow. That's a crazy puzzle. Um, yeah. So these spaces right here are what I call the death space. So right now they're blank. But as soon as you step into them, a skull and crossbones will show up behind you. You step out, and if you step on that space again, you will explode, and the, the level will restart. Which is the only thing I have left to do in movement. Um, and it's the next thing I'm going to do, because if you push the R key, um, it does the same thing. It'll blow you up and then restart the level um, from the beginning. Um, but it will not go back in time. Your time stays the same all the time. Um so I just wanted to play that because some people we've shown this this game before in screenshots and other videos, but it hasn't really had a good explanation of what what's involved in the gameplay. So he did a really good explanation here of what the different pieces do and what different puzzles you'll have to solve. So it's it's quite a good puzzle game. Like when he first showed that you know a year ago when he started it, it was it looked more like a Sokoban clone with a couple of better graphic bits here. But he's got you know teleporter portals and all this gem stuff and lasers and stuff. So it's much more sophisticated than Sokoban. So I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, to seeing it when it's done here, but he's been making it. And it's got a really progress. cool look to it as well. It's yeah. cerebral. Cerebral. Yeah. Is it a cerebellum? It reminds me a lot more <laughs> like a Photon with the colors and the shapes and stuff. Hmm. Solving puzzles. Yeah. 
know, if you're into puzzle games, I know like Frodo NL, for example, is hugely into those types of things. So that would be this would be the type of game for you. Anyway, he's got more in the update there. He's got some of the coding stuff he's kind of mentioning before and stuff too, and, and more in the gameplay and graphics design. And it'll have a built-in level editor. You can create your own levels too if you want to share them with people afterwards. So. Next up, Paul Shoemaker. Um, he's done poker squares now for the Coco 3. He's done it for the Coco VGA. Standard Coco with artifact graphics. He just realized, I forgot the dragon. They don't have artifact color. So now he's doing a P-Mode 3 version of it. He hasn't got too far, but he's actually got the sound card support in here too. So you'll be able to get a clip of the opening screens, title screens and stuff, credit screens, as well as some of the music. Ooh. You see Dragon Edition with the Dragon Logos. Dragon logo Edition logo. with the Dragon Logos. This guy's too damn talented. Makes me sick. <laughs> Those playing cards look like they've aged a bit. It's the guy who drew all the cards. Dude, that I mean, is that's awesome. really cool. He's making a dragon specific one because I know the dragon people sometimes get you know a little bit left out because we're so concentrating on Coco 3s, etc. So it's uh, nice that he's actually creating a version specifically for them. Show the dragon some love. Oh, yeah. The next up, this is a bit of a teaser. So this is uh, Tim Thayer, Paul's brother, part of the Coco Brothers. <clears throat> who hasn't been doing much on the game side on the Coco here for a bit. He, he did a bunch of card games with Paul before uh, in you know the 2010s type thing. <clears throat> but he put this little teaser coming soon from Coco Brothers, and you can just kind of see this blurry screenshot. Oh, I thought I, I, Obviously I thought a Coco glasses, 3 game given all the colors. I thought but. my glasses were just smudgy or something. Yeah, so that's a... yeah or I thought you drank too much. That's yeah. Too, oh, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's a teaser coming soon from Coco Brothers. No other description. He hasn't commented on it because I think he wants to surprise people with it. Uh, I do know a little bit about this project. I'll mention it's actually both of them working on it. I think Tim's more the designer and Paul's the programmer on this one. Though they can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, definitely a Coco 3 game, judging by the colors. And then uh, other than that, I can't really tell you. But my Mark Overhoser visor on, it's still out of focus. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my bubbles glasses there. Maybe that'll work. <laughs> I love the teases. So anyway, combined with the other five project updates we had last week, that's uh, what eight other game projects that are ongoing, as well as a wow. few others we didn't bother mentioning because there's been no updates, but they're still being worked on, including a couple I'm involved with. So there's a there's a bunch of games uh, being worked on. I'd say you know a dozen at least that I know of at this point. Uh, so next up, we got the Jim Gary part of the show here. <clears throat> so this he's ported another John Crutch game. This one's from 1981, as you can see here. This is from his book, Experiments in Artificial Intelligence, done way back in 81. So there, he's covered a few of these before, you know, very primitive versions of AI. And uh, this one here is called King's Move or King's King Move. And it's kind of a chess style. I don't know if you'll be able to read all this, but it's a three by three board. And it's basically um, a kind of a strategy game. I'm trying to remember, there's another one called Knights something or other that's a, kind of along this line too, though it has more squares on the screen, but basically it's a strategy AI thing of trying to solve and moving pieces around here. So that's a, is that a, like the female male symbol thing or what is that? Is that, is <laughs> that could be the king or the queen or something, I guess. I'm not sure. Hmm. I'm, not a, I'm not a huge chess player, so I couldn't really tell you. Yeah, typically the king has a little. Uh, cross on his hat. Okay. Crown. Okay. 
Uh, next up, and this is another new one, like as we mentioned last week. Um, That's Paris Arat, AGD. Paris Arat and his partner. I'm trying to remember the guy's name again. Ben something. Key, ben. Keys Van, Key, yeah, Key Van Oss and Paris Arat. It says it right there yeah. on the screen, yeah. Oh, Keys well, Van yeah. Oss, yes. Thanks for making me look like an idiot. Yeah, you did a good job all by yourself. I just, uh, I know. Yeah. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> so anyway, they've, they've been working on basically all the AGD games that have been updated on the Spectrum side of things over the last couple of years since they last released all these packs. They're going to be releasing six packs of games every week for nine weeks straight. Dear this God. is the uh, pack number 42 because they're continuing the number from the original ones that they did. And we covered this last week with some other ones. So I thought we'd just quickly scroll through the six here. You can see the titles here. Dan, Terrific 3, Defeat the Devil, Dragonfire, which is actually a port of Dragonfire by a magic. Oh, wow. Spectrum and now back to the dragon. Uh, Dungeon Run, Spider Mammy, and the Curse of Trasmos. So Spider Mammy. Here's Dragon Dragon Fire. Fire. Ooh, look at that. That is gorgeous. Roar. There it is. That looks like the 2600 version a little bit, though. Yeah, a little bit. Not the Here's the version. treasure room. Oh, yeah. Very 2600. Now, the engine's definitely, you know, it's not meant to be curved and stuff, and it's not meant for color because it's uh, color. Pal, but. Oh, yeah. What if I put it on composite? Would I see colors then? Uh, you see color fraying, I would guess. Okay. It's, not, it's not designed for color. And don't forget, people can go through these games and uh, suggest them for the game on challenge. Yeah, actually, with all these nine packs of six games a piece, there's over 50 games coming out over the you know span of two months. That would be um, something that probably none of us have seen or played before, so that would be good. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It'd be a fair one for everybody. And then also, no. I mean, people can go through all these and kind of pick a couple of the best ones. Now, the only downside is, is that Nick Marentes has no way of profiting from this. <laughs> <laughs> no Ferraris in his future. Yes. Especially a prof a profiting from the free game that we played last week. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> he yeah, for those who didn't catch it earlier, Gatecrasher was released to the you know freeware ah. a couple years back so mm. it's also a bonus feature on some of the uh the cd right. sets you buy an alleged bonus <laughs> yes. i think you're thinking of nightmare highway <laughs> i like this the kind of a uh, ghouls and ghosts looking thing here you got the little guy down there pumpkin guy running around yeah i guess i misread that because i thought it was dan terrifics and it's more it's more like dante Riffics, now, does this guy have a freaking swastika on his uh, yep. collar there? Well, it's kind of a hell thing, I think, and that okay. kind of fits. The Dark Age of Grotesque. Wow. It's one of the darker-themed AGD games I've seen. Okay, I have to be wow. I have to be wow, look at this. Man. The graphics are really cool on it, though. I like it. Yep. Welcome Here's to Defeat, Defeat the Devil. The Devil. Coded by the one and only, and I don't even want to try to pronounce his first name. Uh, is a is a uh, fiddle involved in this process here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it went down to Georgia. That's right. Yeah. Saw this young boy sawing on a fiddle and playing it hot. Jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. All right. They, man, the graphics in this are then just And they all astounding. attended Boat Fest in West Virginia. But yeah. yeah. This is astounding. <laughs> astounding visuals on this one here. <laughs> Sure I'm guessing this is by younger guy. Infringements on this episode. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, this is Dungeon Run. Dungeon Run. Run, Dungeon Run. With directions. Oh. This looks more like your Pixel Perfect style, okay. you know, Jets at Willy, Manic Miner style Escape game. I don't know if it is. I've tried it. Spider Mammy. 
Ooh, I do like that title screen. Yes, I do too. I don't know if I'd put hearts beside a spider, but okay. You know, it's the mom, and those are the babies down there. They're loving their mom up there. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's Spider Mammy. I'm not sure what the goal of this game is, but I guess the mommy has to get food to bring back to the babies. I'm not sure. I don't. Could be. Okay. And what the hell's going on here? This is Trasmoz. Okay. You got a dude holding a torch and a sword. Okay, the, Sorry, curse, the curse of, of Trasmoz. Ooh. Like the font. Okay. Very spectrum-y looking type game, so yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, it makes sense. I mean, AGD is a spectrum yep, base. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, uh, the, the plan, I've, I've talked to Perry a little bit on the World of Dragon Archive, and he's actually got nine of these packs. They'll be released weekly. Uh, including through the holidays so wow. i think this was a second week so look forward to seven more of these packs coming out and then as ken mentioned uh, maybe we should have a few people kind of go through them pick some of the best ones and we'll put them in the game on challenge there you go hey beauty eh? next up and now uh, i'll just show it here first so this is the japanese site oh, that did a bunch of the mc10 oh, and yeah. uh coco ports now, up till now, the Coco, I think, had seven games on here, and the MC-10 had six. So the last one has been ported, and it's called Maisie. Maisie. And, of course, it's running a slightly lower res. It's running P-Mode 1 instead of P-Mode 3, but it's another machine language game for the MC-10. And since it's only a 41-second clip, I thought I'd play it, and you guys can see it. Like, eh? And it's available for download. It's a beauty. Maisie. <laughs> well, it's got a Night Stalker look to it. It even got some scrolling going on there. The yep. Four Look at that. I'm going to have to declare and say that's amazing. Absolutely is. Is Shoot that him. a lobster chasing you? Yeah, there's two different monsters that uh, you have to deal with. That's the one that chases you, and there's another one up there. That's Mr. Gobbledygook. And you have to get to the exit door. Get to the chopper. That's and right. Doors and everything else. So it's a, it, it looks like a pretty fun game. I don't know how many levels are in it. it requires a 16k RAM. Expansion yeah, that's good. The higher. speed was really good, especially for an MC10. The scrolling yeah. and, and I, I haven't. I'm trying to remember. Has there been any other scrolling games besides maybe Flagonbird that I on the MC10? I don't remember any. Okay, I like it. I like what we're doing here. I yeah. like it. So anyway, if you go on to our Discord channel, you can grab the link or uh, from the the news summary channel one of the five billion channels if you can find it you can tell me where it is is nightmare highway on the mc10 i don't believe so not that, that i'm aware of mm, it needs to be yeah yeah not an mc10 project but it, but could, it could be, be yes yeah. mm. well you talked about scrolling and that's what yeah. i thought of yeah at any rate as as all the other ones here if you've got some of these other retro machines including you know spectrums and stuff like that zx81 etc there's a ton of machines some of them were unique to japan uh but there's ports for all kinds of things from apples to everything else too so that is if neat. you have lots of retro machines you can get the, this game and the other ones is the same people the made various versions yeah, of for it. various ones and, yeah. and there, some of them are quite different looking and some are tile based so they move like a tire block that's actually a fairly smooth one for the mc10 with four-way scrolling too which is not something i've seen before on the mc10 Baby, I'm amazed at the way. <clears throat> Next up, we have uh, seriously Chris's Chris's Retro Corner. Now we covered his channel last week because he uh, got a Dragon Thirty Two for Christmas from his wife. Now, how many people here have had their wives get them a retro system that they weren't expecting? Apparently, it was a surprise to him. Um, 
I, well, I, you know, I was really surprised when his wife sent me one too, because I didn't even know her. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so anyway, he did the video last week where he kind of just opened it up, showed you what everything was bundled with it, because it wasn't just the dragon; it was a dragon with a bunch of original game cassettes Ooh. and stuff with directions, and everything else. So his first of three videos that he's done so far as of this morning, <clears throat> the first one is basically took some requests. He took the top three requests from people that watch his channel. Out of all the games he showed that he got with this in the bundle, uh, which ones did you want him to play? Now, he's got one problem. is dragging the one key doesn't work. Every other key in the keyboard works. So, you know, some of it doesn't play all that well. But he got Chucky Egg, Cuthbert in Space, and Caterpillar Attack. And these are his first reactions. He's never played a dragon before, never saw a dragon before. So I'm not going to play because he's got like multiple videos, but we're just kind of go through which ones he's got. So that was his first video from about the middle of the week where he did the user's choice. And then after that, he started picking, uh, I guess he's done this before in previous years with other machines. I think he said he did the VIC-20 last year, but basically right before Christmas, he goes through 10 games for a particular system for the 10 days of Christmas type thing. So he's done the first two episodes of that here. <clears throat> the first one he did here is a game called... Uh, Mind Out, which is a low-res game, which I'm not familiar with. I don't think I'd seen it before, but apparently from comments both in the Dragon Facebook page where he posted a link to this as well um, and some other Dragon people have played it. It's actually a fun game, but it's basically text and semi graphics for. <clears throat> so he played that one, and I'll just fast forward a bit into the actual gameplay. And it's it's kind of reminds me a little bit of like Minesweeper type things. You have to kind of like guess your way through, and it'll tell you, you know, how many surrounding squares have a mine you want to try to avoid? So I'll just play a little bit of it. Okay. So those are the safe zones. Top and bottom. Let's let's get going. Say one mine. There is a copy of this game on the color archive because I played it just the other day. Mines. I can't remember what it was called though. Oh okay. archive. And is it basic? completely or is it basic and ml you know i can't remember i was just going through a bunch oh, of stuff looking sense. for games for the game mm. on and i ran across this one and played it for a little bit i mean if you're into the minesweeper type games like sort of the maze puzzle games it actually looks pretty good i mean it's you know not high res or anything but and it's got some pretty decent effects I'm when you, you know, complete levels and stuff here that's where it yes yeah, that's a safe zone there yay did it Excellent stuff. Right, level one. We'll get a speed bonus as well. That's kind of it. And it shows you where all the mines were and then your path through. Alright. Should, should, should that not have said three mines around there? Although I suppose you couldn't have got to that one. Oh, wow. Brilliant yeah, stuff. that's got to be yeah, some pretty, machine pretty language. Pretty fancy looking for a basic game. I was yeah, that's got to be some machine language thing. Oh, mystery bonus. That's cool. I mean, you get some mystery things and stuff yeah. too. So it looks like a pretty decent little game. Mystery bonuses under that, which could be mines. So, <laughs> <clears throat> yay! It's a bonus mine. <laughs> and the next one here, of course, is one of my favorites of all time, which is Phantom Slayer, which he Ooh. he talks about the mood in the game and everything else too. Ooh. Now, of course, his one key is broken, so he can't pick the easiest speed level. He has to pick the middle one too. And he can't pick the easy maze level where you get a nice long hallways. You have to pick level two because his one key is broken. So he gets a complicated maze with faster phantoms. So he was kind of like, you know, a bit screwed off the start. Also, I I'd kind of forgotten the uh, micro deal version of it here for the dragon actually has directions built into the game, which the Coco version did not. You got a little printed cheat 
with it instead. So that was a little bit different. But of course, it's you know the standard game itself. And I won't play it here because I've played Phantom Slayer stuff way too often on the channel because I'm a huge fan. But, but it's, it's interesting he's doing those. I don't know what his next eight games are doing. He's been releasing them roughly like in the afternoon, early evening hour time each day. So there's another one due today. And then he's got you know seven more days after that. So if you want to you know pick up some possible gems you may not have seen before and, and see somebody that's brand new to the dragon react to them, it's a pretty pretty fun channel to follow. And he's been posting them in the dragon Facebook group as well, links to his YouTube channel. And then the last one for the game on news today, Eric Montero. Now, last week we covered um, a few people, including Jim Gary, had taken this challenge of a 1K Spectrum game, which was a space invader game, only one invader at a time because it had to fit 1K. Um, so people have been, you know, duplicating on the MC10 or the Coco, uh, you know, spicing up a little bit of color and stuff. Erico decided to go a little bit past that. He's actually he's world famous for doing his animations with very low res that look, you know, really good for uh, low res type stuff. So he's he's kind of broken the 1K barrier at this point. He's been adding in some sound effects, etc. And I thought I'd just play the whole 45 second clip because it it looks pretty cool for a low res game and sounds pretty good too. I'm presuming he's using the play command for the sound. That's way too fast for the sound command. But yeah, the ships kind of like spin around a little bit and, you know, better explosions than the original too. So, and there's little pickup things. So he's kind of expanding on the original game concept. It's, anyway, it's cool to say, you know, taking a very, very simple game concept that was really done on the Spectrum, some other people converted to the Coco and MC10, threw in some semi-graphic color, and now he's kind of like just taking that the next step further type thing and, and then putting in animations and adding to the gameplay too with pickups and things too. So that's I thought that was pretty cool. And that's the end of the game on news this week. So if you want to do the old break and get some coffee there, Steve, you go for it. I'm going to grab some myself. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back after these words. We've been just been joined by Patrice Tremblay uh, on Facebook, who asked a question, in your opinion, who was the best programmer of Coco Games? So that might be a little discussion topic we can have when we come back from the break. It's, uh, you know, part of it's going to be definitely opinion-based, but... Um, it's always interesting to hear people weigh in on that. So for our commercial break, we're going to run with a little Fletcher. And we'll be back after these words, kids. Hey there, I'm Marco Rolzer, and you're watching Coco Talk. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT... Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. What is And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. On holidays, Uncle JT would entertain us with stories of his business conquests and his assistant who would meet any deadline that he imposed, no matter how ridiculous. Well, until she shot him in the face, that is. 
Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subbeat the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at CocoTalk.live and clicking on the Patreon link. But just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show. This is not the Joey Serial Switch. This is the Joey Serial Switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at CocoMan.biz. Christmas Tandy has a very special offer. A family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing Daggereth like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Cardoso. Muppet News Flash. Okay, well, we're supposed to be doing the news, but then we also just decided we having this kind of impromptu discussion on um so i don't know if we want to use the word best programmer for games but maybe we can all weigh in on who our favorite is because best is kind of subjective and there's all kinds of factors that and it doesn't in. have to just be for games uh yeah true that right so there is um yeah so the the uh, the question came from patrice tremblay saying in your opinion who was the best programmer of coco's games Oh, and, these games? Oh, okay. Yeah, that oh. was the question. Okay. Who wrote Color Script Set? <laughs> yeah, I was say, that script well, set is, is Color amazing. Script Set a game? There's another discussion. Well, we haven't had it on the Game On Challenge yet. <laughs> yet. Oh, that's my, you spoiled my surprise for the first game of 2022. <laughs> I thought that one was going to be near the beginning of April. Right. It is an so, entertaining title. I mean, there's a few names that come to mind that would sound very cliche, but also appropriate. Like, so Steve Bjork, if there's a top 10 of legendary game programmers, Steve Bjork would have to be on that list because he's just done so much, his body of work. But someone else who's been equally as prolific has been somebody like Greg Zumwalt, who's done a lot of things. And then we've got a lot of the guys from, like, uh, uh, Dave Dyes. And you know, uh, spectral associates and then Glenn Dahlgren. So, yeah, I think we're all going to have our favorites. But it's a great, uh, 
great discussion. So guys, chime in, weigh in, let the audience, the audience. It's a tough one for me because I mean, how do you measure that? I mean, do you measure it by, you know, prol prolific? Like Steve would definitely be up there on the prolific side of things. Uh, quality, um, pushing the limits. Right. The Jeremy machine. Spiller was mentioned by Tim Thayer. Yeah. Um, Jeff Steidel is another one that might be right. up there, that type of thing. Um, originality is another one. Like for some people, you know, they, who can do the best arcade clones type thing. But for other people, it's like, you know, who did something unique that's only on the Coco and never showed up anywhere else? And isn't even based on gameplay from some other arcade game or a port from another machine. Like sometimes the originality is something like that's where I put Ken Kalish up. He did right. do some clones, but he did a lot of good original games. Yeah. Too, so. Yeah. Ken Kalish. What if um, we pull all the programmers? Well, we should pull everybody because not, you know, gameplay is done by everybody, not just programmers. Right. In fact, us programmers usually suck at playing games. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, so a lot of the Mark Data products were all really cool. Some, all the Tom Mix stuff was good. Spectral Associates, Spectral and those, Associates, were, yeah. those weren't always the same programmer. But Diacom, Sundog, Mark Shaw yeah. with it, Mark Shaw had some unique things where most of his games were uh, white background with black foreground. So the different kind of high res, like uh, when you think of like Touch Tomb and uh, Shock Trooper, how those things looked. Computer then, Shack Mictron with like Mictron, Time Bandit and Cashman. And, and then the games like Fangman and, and uh, well, who, what was the famous name for that one? Bandit A or Bandito or what? Bandit o, El Bandito. Somebody, yeah, El Bandito, right? So uh, with the ants pulling in the, the fruit. So... Uh, yeah, I, it's it's really hard. I couldn't I could not pick a favorite myself or right, or a right. best per se because it depends on what what my you know, whim at the time is. Right, 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 and, and yeah. So, but I'm sure we've what, all got our favorites for sure. What about uh, our favorite uh, game that you have to dodge furniture on a highway? Um, <laughs> wow. Grand Morocco Grand Prix. I agree. That's a good one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Nightmare Highway is definitely in my top ten. There. Yes. Yeah, and Le Mans. That's what? another one. Yeah, you have to dodge that crap and that stupid dog that runs around. Chris Latham is being uh, mentioned, who made Donkey King and the Sailor Man. Yep. Um, one of my favorites. Although there's the a lot for of uh, original games like Double Back. Yeah. Double Back and. Uh, who programmed Dragon Slayer? Since we just mentioned that. Olaf Schroeder, Schrader, I think. Ken, do you yeah. know off the top of your head? Uh, not off the top of my head. I can take a look. Yeah, if so only bad. there was a game-based, Coco-based game website that would have this kind oh, better, of information yeah, one that was up it. to date. That would be even better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, well, I mean, yeah. and we do, and I know he's here, and we're not going to just blow smoke, but Nick Morentes has made a lot of quality games, especially his newer releases for, you know, the 21st century Yeah, because his old releases. ones suck. So, right. Especially if you like yeah. games that are really difficult. Yeah, like Popstar Pilot and Gunstar and... Uh, nah, he just blows the money on Ferraris. Yeah. Yeah. I could probably pick my my favorite 6 through 9 game. Uh, Gunstar would be that one. That's one I could pick. Because <laughs> yeah. there's not that many of them. Um, Although there's a, a lot of pro prolific uh, programmers and quite a few... Uh, uh, well-known and excellent games. I can't really pick a specific single programmer that I would consider a favorite because mm. there's so many different games that I like so many aspects to that picking a single one would be unfair to the others and sure. I wouldn't want to do that. So literally, I mean, it's, I can pick a list of a bunch of uh, programmers that I, that I, that I enjoy their works of, but to pick out absolutely one, no, that would be too insulting no. to the people that are further down in the list that 
although they're further down on the list, they're no less important or or great than anyone higher on the list. And there's also the thing where there are certain programmers that, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of a lot of their games or some of their games, and then there's some of the games from the same exact programmer or programmers that I don't care for. So I can't yeah. really pick a favorite. Yeah. Right. It's like I like A, B, and C, but I don't like, you know, one, two, three that this person did. But, you know, so I yeah. just, yeah, yeah it's hard. Well, I would say of all the games that Steve Bjork made, I think my personal favorite is the Audio Spectrum Analyzer. Can... <laughs> Which version, though? <laughs> the Ooh, yeah. The classic. The classic, the classic yes. I was going to say, like, if you want to pick the most influential game programmer, Steve is probably one of those, because that's one from people that you know got into the Coco a couple years into the Coco. That is one person that is mentioned probably more than anybody else as uh, you know why they wanted to write games, because he was so prolific. And I mean, you know, you can take you know one shot wonders too, like Dungeons and Daggerath. I mean, Douglas yeah. Morgan and the other two that actually worked. I can't remember the names off the top of my head. Sorry, um, but that is one of the most influential games of that genre on any computer platform, and uh, right. that's the only one they ever finished. You know, one thing that's important to me is like oh, I'll use Nick as an example. He uh, he goes online and he actually helps people learn how to program while making these games, and uh, to me, that's huge. Yeah, and he also goes into a lot of discussion on game design, which is something he's really good at. Like he'll he'll tan tweak stuff. Now, obviously, you know when he goes and revisits games he did twenty years ago, he definitely has some different ideas nowadays. Um, you know, this week's game, Gay Crash, was an excellent example where you know back in the day it was <clears throat> we're all younger, we could react faster, and it wasn't as difficult as it seems to be now for everybody. So you know, we definitely would change some of the gameplay mechanics now. But he's very very good with his blog and stuff, explaining you know why he changed the level to do this because this old way just didn't quite work right not not to mention the trash can i mean (laughs) yeah that's not a game though that's That's not getting into mobile and operating system influence there (laughs) do i I just have to pick from the uh, like the my favorite classic era you know programmers that i've met in person yeah (laughs) i can only think of maybe three or four at this point Oh, Alan, thanks for mentioning Keith Kyohara, because that was the guy who did the main programming for Daggerath. That's one of the two names I couldn't remember. One was the art guy, sound guy, and then Doug, and then him. Cool stuff. Well, uh, interesting discussion. I think we've thrown out some names and some ideas. I think everybody's going to have their opinion. It's like anything else. Whenever whenever I have to say, well, who do I want to thank for this or whatever, I'm always going to forget somebody. It's not even on purpose. So it's, I guess it's a good problem to have when there are so many uh games out there and so many game designers that we've had that you can't remember them all um i guess that's a good thing but um and i have a, i have a deep spot in my heart for people that do original games that isn't like a either a straight out clone or so heavily based on something you just added a couple minor tweaks right the people right. that do completely original games that are still fun that's right and um, that's a special echelon for me right sure. right right and yes. i would say double back definitely uh, counts as one of those and yeah, double back photons. Another one I would Photon, put count as part yeah. of that. Um, Amazing world of Malcolm Mortar. That's that's a totally unique one. You know, it's yeah. not the most graphically sound driven, you no, know, but it's showcase cool. of hardware type thing. But it is a fun original game. Absolutely, absolutely. Scripts. It's the best chess game. Yeah, scripts. It. What is what is the best donut based what, game? Okay, what 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 games involving what is your favorite Coco game involving battling dinosaurs? 
<laughs> what is your favorite Dino Wars? Wars. That's a tough one. <laughs> what is your favorite Coco game where you're wandering through a forest that just happens to be full of doom? <laughs> what Enchanted a Forest. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. What a mess. <laughs> Didn't somebody win a cup? No, the chalice. I wouldn't know anything about that. The, the chalice. Of, chalice of douchery? Ch chalice of braggadocious. Again, that's that you know, that's just because you're jealous and you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna make me do it, aren't you? And, and you know, uh, there's uh, a new emulator class of uh software writing. Emulator only. Probably in your next report, right? Um, I don't know if that's really a class. I mean it was it was based on Dave doing you know emulating testing on his current engine, but that's based on a hardware card he's actually working on. That's not going to be emulator only. It requires you know his spiced up card to run it out. Well, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of Chet's. Yeah, stuff. but we're but we're not allowed to. Uh, we don't talk about certain somebody on the show anymore because of copyright reasons. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. we're moving on. More news, Curtis. Okay, so on to the regular news. Let me get my notes up. Let's go find the right screen here. Okay. Hey, you guys seen that? Guillaume Major. Yeah, so he's the author of SDC Explorer. He's also the host of the Color Computer Archive. So he's working on a new program for the Coco SDC that will let you flash the ROM banks as well. Because, of course, you've got up to seven or eight ROM banks. Move my cat here. Nice. My borrowed cat, anyway. Um, so he's, he's asking for permission to include some games on this that you can flash onto the ROM banks. He's got permission for five right now. He's got Pierre Sarazin's Color 8s, Steve Bamford's Flagonbird, Evan Wright's Flooded. And then two from John Linville, which is Christmas Rush and Farfall Pandemic Edition. And he's looking for other people to volunteer. And if you can respond to this post here on Facebook in the Color Computer Group, if you are an author of some of these games that can be flashed onto the ROM banks, then he can include that then, uh, with this little bundle. And then you can actually instantly boot them up as if they're a cartridge, which is kind is of an interesting an project. Because you've got, what is it, seven or eight banks, I think, on the Coco SDC? And the, I mean, some people use them for alternate DOSs and stuff, but... Is it 8K or 16K banks? Uh, I think it's 16, isn't it? I'm not even sure. I don't know. I should know that off the top of my head, but I, for some reason I'm brain farting on it. If I had to guess, I would say it would be 8. But I don't know. Disk Extended Basic is on one of them. So what size is that? Is that 8K? Yeah, that's an 8K. I don't know how big SDC DOS is. So bank zero, the run at zero is what how you get out of the SDC DOS. Is that a bank or is that just unload the bank? I'm not sure how that works. Um. So I know Disk Extended Basic is on one, and SDC DOS is on one, and then you've got a handful more on there. Yeah, which you can use for other alternate DOSs like ADOS or whatever, or you can or HDB DOS, whatever, or you can put in game cartridges, or you can put in these games that weren't you know originally per se cartridge, but can yeah, be. neat. Some of these actually were cartridges. Okay, Mikey just chimed in saying 16k banks. Thank you, Mikey. Okay, cool. So you can fit some really decent size ones then. Okay, so anyway, if you guys have any other authors or that are watching this or on the panel that uh, have games that fit that criteria and are you know able to run from a ROM cartridge, um, submit them up to him and he'll include it on this package when he releases it. Next up, uh, Lord Dragon has updated his chiptunes player. Now we've 
covered this before, probably about half a year ago, and it was basically to use the Mega Mini MPI, the OPL3 chip for doing, you know, all the different sound stuff like a sound blaster and actually playing some of the uh, sound formats for that for playing music, etc. And he's done a pretty major update here. So he's changed the way playlists are done. He's added support for both the Game Master cartridge and the Poker PSG from uh, Ed Snyder's Zipster Zone. So you've got three different pieces of hardware now that can play these um, songs. And he's actually got a little video demo here. Um, the first part, the first five minutes is basically him just talking about the development of it, what he's added, and you know how he's changed the way playlists work, etc. Uh, which is you know, historically interesting, but it's, it's not something I want to play on the show. You guys can just go watch the video on his page. You can also download this immediately, by the way. But I thought I'd play some of the demo stuff here, um, which actually does it playing through the different cards. Um, now, is that loud yeah, enough? Yeah, so right, let, me, let me show you uh, this in action. Can't hear so it. Jump over into my directory here. Can you hear it now? And, yeah. Um, so I made a mix. I uh, of three songs. That I don't hear anything choose, either. Um, different hmm. devices. Now I can't, I can't mix in OPL stuff in an emulator because uh, Mega doesn't it. emulate. It is uh, going OPL out the stream and the Mega Mini MPI. Yeah, I'm hearing but, it here. Um, you know, it's, so it's not Zoom. It'll have to be this. Uh, I showed you the flags, right? So, so the way that I um, launched Mame for this this demonstration. I, I did specify yeah, to already would use the flag GMC and then slot three. And then you can also specify, um, oh, whoops, I'm sorry. I meant to do that. Uh, but yeah, you could do that. Um, but if you leave out the flag, it will just use the default. But for this demonstration, um, I'm just going to do the defaults. I will mention he's actually got it. So you can select which slot each card is in for work properly too, if you have a multi-pack. Is the sound being shared through Zoom? Yeah, I hear it. it. Yeah, I hear it too. No, I'm hearing it. Okay. Sounds good. This is on the Coco PSG now. That sounds really good. So, um, it's pretty badass. One thing you'll notice. Is yeah, and the fact that this one player now will actually encompass all these cards is, is pretty cool. Now, I'll have to ask Todd, the author, um, if he gets a really complicated track that has more voices than some of these cards can handle because obviously they have different capabilities. Um, you know, how does he translate that? Does he just pick some certain, you know, channels that he uses? Maybe you have to use the first four or something like that. Curtis, one of yep. the things about the VGM format is that it supports multiple chips with clock rates and things, but what it's doing is a constant timed stream of the actual register values to that chip. So when it says it's playing a 2149 chip tune into a 2149 chip, there it only plays the, the matching tracks because it's actually just playing a register dump. And typically if your chip supports previous generations, then it plays just fine. But if it doesn't support newer features, then the stream of register values just doesn't play back. You end up with gaps and skips. 
And the, some VGM players will actually say, sorry, that's the wrong kind of playback device. Okay, have you have you fiddled with Todd's player? Like, is he translating between the chips then? Or is it you have to play a VGM on a V, or not VGM, but a, 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 a YM2149 on a YM2149? The, the previous one, I haven't seen this new one yet, but the previous one basically showed you the menu of items based on the chip you were aiming for. Okay. Because you can just look that up right out of the uh, file. Okay. I guess I'll have to get some more details from it because my, my understanding was that this would translate between them. So, Todd, if you're watching this, uh, give me a shout out on Discord or by email, et cetera, here and uh, maybe get some details. Maybe get you on to talk about it a little bit too. I know he's translating the clock speeds. I don't know if he's translating the, the register dumps to different formats. Okay. I just know it sounds damn impressive. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Beauty, eh? Yeah. Well, it's a one-for-one -one playback because uh, the way these are captured is by mm -hmm. watching the stream of data go to the sound chip and then recording that and then just playing it back. So when you th there are tools that you can get that will take these VGM files and they will actually dump them out as a series of events in text format. So you can actually see what's going on. And it's basically dump this register value, wait this long. Dump this register value, wait this long. It's a very cool little setup for uh, getting as, as accurate a sound as you probably can. <laughs> right. So what you said earlier, it kind of sounds like, okay, here's your target. This is what you're going to get. And you can decide if that's enough for you. And if you have that particular uh -huh. hardware. Like in this case, he's got all three sound cards. So he can, you know, right. So in this, switch like, wheeling in this case here, because he supports yeah. the GMC, that's the lowest common denominator of only having like three channels and none you can't change the waveforms and stuff so if you had like a 12 voice track it's not going to play all 12 voices so i'd imagine the register dump would might hit the first three channels and the subsequent the channels just get ignored or something so yeah i think it's more details from todd there yeah but it's interesting it sounds it sounds beautiful yeah and of course he's using his uh ibm cj font oh that is also beautiful Okay, next up that, we got a bit of an update from Roger Taylor on, <clears throat> you know, going into the insides of the gimme here. And you can see the two gimmies, the uh, 86 and 87. And uh, the measurements here are millimeters. Each wow. one of these little dashes, you can see how small these chips are. But you can also see the gimme 86 on the left here actually has more transistors than the gimme 87 on the right. Now, I do know the 87 fixed some bugs. There were some timing issues. There was some speculation that they tried to shorten the paths of some of the wiring because they were having latency problems on doing stuff that's very speed intensive like hardware scrolling horizontally because you're having to deal with a 15.75 kilohertz signal and then shifting it on the fly while you're going type thing but it also could mean maybe there's some extra bits on the 86 gimme that are not on the 87 or it could be all due to bug fixes we're not sure but uh, it's definitely interesting and the fact you can see the die itself is actually bigger on the 86 uh, six on the left there too yeah. And has big long buses instead of two rows of shorter buses. Is that significant? Maybe. One wonders. <laughs> <laughs> and there you can see the you know, shrunk down a bit more. You can see the ruler scale of a millimeter. But millimeter for those around in metric, a millimeter is the uh, thickness of a dime, roughly. It shows you how small these actually are. And then these are huge by today's standards. <laughs> wow. Absolutely. 
really looking forward to what else uh, Roger Taylor finds on this As project that he's on. Peel back the layers of the gimme, like sands through the hourglass. These are yep, the layers go, of go, the gimme. Go support his Patreon if you haven't already, if you're interested in this kind of stuff here, because this is not cheap stuff to do. So, Give me some more. Next up here, Jamie Cho. <clears throat> Actually, this was pretty cool. Jerry Ellsworth, of course, is a rather famous hacker. I, what, what did you call her? Um, she's an actress as well. Um, but she's she's well known in the hacking community and she's done tons of stuff with game systems and other computers, etc. And she actually posted on Twitter here about a Coco 2 that she helped restore. And she talks a little bit about the history of it. So Jamie chose one who posted the link to it. So I wanted to give him a shout out. And then here's Jerry's actual post. Restored a Tier City Coco Model 2 was in pretty bad shape with multiple cable burns and yellowing. Interesting fact is that this computer ran at 880 kilohertz. That's a little bit off, but pretty close. It's 895 which was the same frequency as our hometown AM radio station, KWIP. Fond memories of playing games with my friend Mike on it. So that's, he actually had encountered the Coco back in the day too, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so one of the more famous people in, in the modern hacker community to actually have touched the Coco back in the day too, so. Cool stuff. wonder if she ever played that game Dagrath like that idiot from the book. <laughs> <laughs> what, Dad? <laughs> Yeah, Jerry is a very scary developer um, who built a chip fab in her own bedroom at one point to recreate the Commodore 64. So we're talking some serious skills. Extremely, extremely detailed hardware stuff. Was also involved with Valve for a while and had a very interesting project for augmented reality stuff going on. Just lots of interesting news out of that corner. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Mikey. Mikey. Maybe he'll wake up now. We're mentioning, hey, Mikey, wake up. We're talking about you. <laughs> yeah. So he's actually put up a couple of videos this week. Um, thanks, Kat. Um, so the first one here, running an Eichstein ease of use to use on XROR's ID controller. So one difference between the XROR emulator and other ones like MAME, VCC, and OVCC is that it uh, when it emulates a hard drive, it doesn't have the MU disk, like just the little software. And he's actually emulating basically the equivalent of the Glenside ID controller. And ease of use we designed for the Coco SDC or for the emulator specifically. And I'm, one thing Bill and I do not want to do is make a bazillion different versions of Nitrous 9 because then we're back to the repository level where, you know, new users are not even going to have a clue what to pick to download to run on whatever system they have, which is why we did a base common denominator. Now, we have no problem with other people actually, you know, making compendiums of these things for different pieces of hardware. And, of course, the experienced users will just insert their own drivers for whatever they want. But we wanted a base, uh, simple thing that people could just install it and they would know it comfortably that it would run. So what he does here is he has a video here, <clears throat> 25 minutes about using XROR's ID controller, how to replace certain modules to get it to work uh, with the emulated ID. And now it, you can boot ease of use after you go through all this on XROR on the Coco 3. So that was his first video. And then uh, <clears throat> he also put up here a JSON explaining exactly how to do it and you can actually edit this yourself so you wanted to replace it for SCSI or MFM RLL controllers like the Burke and Burke here this little script will actually take and redo the boot hard drive image and uh, the floppy you know bootstrap for it so that it will boot up with those drivers installed so you can run ease of use on, on various mixed hardware platforms beyond what we do on our base core one so once this is kind of ironed out a little bit and a few people have mentioned they were probably going to make I think Ron Klein mentioned it, they're going to make available some more common boots and we'll actually have a link off the main ease of use site to where if you want to go a little bit outside the norm 
and get certain combinations because I, I can't put every single combination like somebody had mentioned on uh, one of the uh, discord channels that they would like to have drive wire you know full drive wire support well what is that you can have drive wire for the bit banger you can have drive wire for the rc 2 pack you can have drive wire for the R, uh, modem pack you can have drive wire for 6552 you can have drive wire for 1650 next thing you know you're cards. going over an eight slot mpi <laughs> yeah, and laugh. then that's just the hardware support for DriveWire. Now you got you want the real-time clock, you want the virtual terminals, you want MIDI support, you want virtual printer support, blah, 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 blah. There's a ton of stuff here, and that's the reason we didn't put all that stuff in there as defaults. We picked a couple of very small core ones that are the most common. But obviously, Nitrous 9 supports all this stuff if you have the right drivers. So if one, if you're experienced Nitrous 9 person or OS 9 person, you just would do this yourself. But these people like uh ron and and mikey are you know kind of making these alternate ones that we'll link to off the site they won't be included with the distribution but if you want to grab one of those because you do have some special case needs that you want to do yourself they will be available if you have to build them all yourself at some point um i will act, admit right now support wise bill and i won't support those directly we'll refer you to ron and, and michael and anybody else who does them so they can take all the tech support. Calls okay, on. and Mikey's also saying that binary packages with hard drive images are available. You don't have to run the script yourself. So I guess he's going to package this up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which right. I mean, I, we're all for it. Just that Bill and I don't want to have to concentrate on all these other bits and pieces because we'd be doing so much support stuff. We wouldn't be getting any part of the app. Right. Right. And yeah. then you have to you have to test it on all the different platforms too. So keep your keep your development and test environment consistent. So yep. there's there's fewer. It, it's uh, kind of like what Bill's doing with Mat Matchbox, like the Matchbox Coco. It's because he we do the original release of the six seven nine six nine first, which we try to test as much as we can. Everything that's been changed, and then usually a few weeks later, Bill does an update for the Matchbox with the extra, you know, eighty by fifty tech support and all that kind of stuff on it too. And he does the same type of thing specifically for that bit of hardware. And then you know anybody else who wants to add all these other things can, you know, go to town. Okay. Next up, uh, Tony Jewell and the Dragon Group. Uh, this was something that was shown at the Dragon Meetup, and there's some videos about that coming up a little bit later in the show here. But this was the uh, CP400 Coco clone from Brazil that somebody brought to the Dragon Meetup at Cambridge. So he was kind of going through <clears throat> making a circuit here. I, I did not know this. Um, apparently, there's more than one version of PAL. So, of course, the UK is all PAL-based. Brazil is also PAL-based, but Brazil uses what's called PAL-M. And maybe some in the chat can explain exactly what the difference is to that. I'm not exactly sure. Um, apparently, it's not just 60 hertz PAL either. It's it's something different than that again. So it's like there's multiple versions of PAL. But he showed this running here, and you can actually see some pretty decent pictures of it here with the uh, little happy face uh, converter circuit he did, and obviously got it running with the 50 hertz PAL system in in, in uh, the UK. So I don't know if anybody in the chat there can explain exactly what the difference between the different versions of PAL is. I didn't even know there was all that many different versions of PAL. But some really good pictures of the... Uh, the I'm sure versions. it has to do something with regional, because I know there's like there's different even versions of NTSC, too, like a Japanese one and, um, you know, in uh, American and stuff. So um, might be regional. Yeah, it could be. Because South America is on the same electrical grid as us, so I'm assuming they have 60 hertz, right? Then you have places like Japan, they have both. Right. right. So that could be interesting. That might be it. 50 hertz PAL and 60 hertz PAL. Yeah, I guess. And then PAL-AM, I'm not sure what, what that is. And plus, they may be, we also get into stuff like NTSC. Does it have the artifact colors? Or maybe there's certain versions of NTSC that don't. I don't, I don't have a clue. 
It's getting beyond my pay grade. But okay, so Sixty, can. 60 <laughs> is saying NTSC timing and Calor subcarrier, but with phase alternating line, so you don't need a daft hue control. <laughs> I thought Japan used NTSC J. J, right. Yes. In that case, the J would be for Japan. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the M stands for. Maybe it's macho. It's the L macho NTSC. Manly, I don't know. Manly, yes. Hmm. <laughs> Good question. Somebody Google that shit. All right. Ask Siri. Uh, next up, so Alan Huffman did a follow-up video. So uh, on the previous episode, he went into a video explaining a nice, easy, quick, easy way in basic to calculate if you want to set bits or clear bits on a byte using two to the power of the bit number, base zero. And uh, it works. And if you just need to you know, do a quick translation, I need to figure out what specific settings on the VDG chip. For example, I want the color border turned on with inverse video and no lowercase or whatever. But it's quite slow. So if you're doing something often in a game or in a program where you're going to be switching bits on certain bits of hardware uh, fairly often, it's very slow. Doing two to the power or any power thing in, in Microsoft Basic is extremely slow. So he, he did a quick video showing you an alternative way where you basically pre-build the bit patterns into an array. And then it's much faster, like orders of magnitude faster than doing the uh, two to the power one. Takes a bit more memory because you have to build the array up and that's kind of like unrolling a loop or a compiled sprite concept at this point then here right it's just putting everything yeah in but the, this, the speed gain if you need the speed is definitely worth it it's it's a huge increase in speed so he kind of goes through it all there in his typically uh exuberant way i, I love his videos actually because they're very friendly and he's, he's kind of talking off the cuff here he, he i don't know if he has a script per se but it's a straight one take thing and sometimes you'll watch him code something a little bit wrong or whatever. Like it's all live type thing. It's kind of like you know, we'll it's, do it live. it's not as much of a train wreck as us. And he's doing it. He's doing it on the cocoa pie. Yeah, he's you can even see his uh, face reflecting the screen there. on occasion when he's recording yeah. it too. So that was cool. Next up, I think I remember John Linville is the one who posted about this in the cocoa group on facebook first Create but it's a, a vintage that creates christmas a challenge tree as seen in the image above one one to one exactly the same shape no additional characters tree has to be centered if it's possible uh we don't mind colors program can finish afterwards return to prompt use any machine you like preferably vintage use any language you like if you do use basic do not include assembler code peek and pokes are allowed even sys is allowed all right, so they're basically saying, here's a tree. This is like that 1K program code. Now yep, make, make, make a tree. Okay. Now same. they do have a secondary one too, uh, challenge variation two. Be wild and creative and do something totally or different or similar. And it should be just about Christmas, obviously. No count restrictions, no strict rules. So obviously a few people have, have kind of latched onto this. Uh, Jim Gary's one, and I'll show some of his stuff Hold here. Hold beer. Second. And then we got some comments on the Jim Gary's video where you know some other people did some various versions of it as well. Um, I think Paul Shoemaker might have been one of them. Now, originally, when, when Jim Gary first released this, he actually had the source code, but the, one of the rules is don't publish the source code until the contest is over. So he quickly redid the video, but some people might have caught it. So now it's very short, but basically, there you go. Okay. So that's Jim Gary's little entry there. There's and the it's tree. got some auto centering and blah blah blah. 
So for the version two of the contest, Jim decided to spice it up with a bit of color and stuff here. And he actually had released multiple videos showing different things. Like he changed the graphics mode a little bit um, where he changes it to graphics, but leaves it in the text mapping. So it's kind of strange looking. Others, you just use semi-graphics colors. And then he just this morning released a video that kind of combined all four of his new versions into one video. So that's one I'll play here in its entirety. Lord have mercy. Ooh, look at that. Ooh. A psychedelic tree. Ooh. Wow, this looks like freaking QR codes on acid. Um, <laughs> this is one of them aluminum trees from the sun. Yeah, right. Oh, now that is cool. That is cool. Because it's green, man. It's like totally two green. different shades of green, dude. It's like so green, man. It's like wow. I don't two shades of green. <laughs> How many shades would you use? Right. This, this saved me money. Like I don't rotating. have to buy a tree now. So yeah, it's like rotating. Can't yeah, the cat can't knock the inch, uh, ornaments off that tree. Yeah. Well, they could knock the monitor off the stand, I guess. Yeah, but the ornaments would still that be on there. That is so cool, man. So at any rate, um, this is Jim's post originally in the MC10 group on Facebook. Um, mentions the contest, kind of goes through it a bit. Then Paul Shoemaker did one here too. Uh oh, hold my beer. He said Jim's that. was much more clever than mine. Uh, so. List. You're not supposed to list it. Yeah. Not he crammed ahead. it into like a you know a lot less space. But. Okay. Wow. So that's all kind of formulaically done there at this point, huh? Yeah, the centering and, and you know, kind of compressing the code a bit too. Uh, and then there's Jim Gary when he started doing these tree. other ones. Okay, won't you take me? And Anders did one year too. Um, funky tree. And we got an MC10 emulator. And boom. Oh, oh my God, are we doing it upside down? Are we rotating? Oh, we yeah, are. Rotating. We are rotating. Oh my God, this is. Ooh. This is as a gate crasher in the MC10 at Christmas. Oh Christmas yeah! Christmas. Oh yeah! Now it's like completely sideways. Okay, yeah, we're like doing a 360 degree rotation. Yeah, the tree is in the same place. You're doing a barrel roll. <laughs> okay. So wow. it's, it's interesting to see that there's been so much MC10 stuff. I haven't seen too many yeah. Cocoa-specific ones yet. Alan mentions he's got it down to 66 or 67 bytes of basic to do. It's wow. Hold my beer. <laughs> okay. Next step, uh, John Whitworth. And this is a dragon-related story here. So um, we've mentioned before in the show a couple months ago he had made a round of about 20 of the power supply unit boards because that's one of the things that actually does tend to blow on the uh, the dragons, steel dragons. And he had such demand because he said, I'm doing this one run. They're a pain in the ass to make. I don't want to make any more. But he had so many requests for it. He said, well, okay, what I'll do is I'll make a kit form of it. Okay. So I'll give you all the parts and pieces and the PCBs and you will have to do all the little yeah. soldering of the bits. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, right? <laughs> yeah. So basically, he's uh, got 20 kits up. He put up for sale on the 13th of December, so five days ago. He's already sold over half of them, from what I've understood. <clears throat> and uh, you can actually order them on his site here. And he's got a little picture of it here, too, and the cost of the kit version. 
This is not something he wants to do too often. Now, we talked to Frank at Retro Rewind last week and said, you know, is this something you'd be interested in doing? Because he sells a lot of stuff to the European market mm-hmm. for the Amiga stuff and Commodore stuff he does. And he said, one of the problems with doing power supply stuff is you have to get this certified by governments uh, to be safe. Like, you have to apply for it. And he says it's about a $5,000 per country license wow. to get this. So wow. that's why you would not normally manufacture this unless you're, that's like a mainstay of your business. Now, there is a bit of a loop around here, and you'll actually see it mentioned here on, on John's site, too. Please read the safety notice regarding homebrew power board before completing purchase. Yeah, so I guess you can get around it if you make it a kit with a bunch of warnings that people can get harmed, basically, yes. is my understanding. Right. And Frank had mentioned he'll look into that to see if it's worth the legal, possible legal hassle. Um, because there obviously is demand for it. I mean, he sold out 20 a couple of months ago and you made another 20 and he's already got down to like seven left as of yesterday. So he's already sold 33 of these in a very quick span. So there's well, obviously demand. Since it's using an off-the-shelf DC power brick, mm-hmm. uh, I think that would get around the that, the, the power brick would have... Power brick is already like UL rated and everything. Yeah. And then yeah, that's I think that had just the... a low voltage project. I think I think what the regulations had to do with was actually hooking to the mains, the power mains. Yeah, the yeah. DC so I think would do that exactly. Okay. But I'm I'm not I'm not an attorney or yeah. and don't play one on TV. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even know hardware, so this is all way above my pay grade. So. Okay. Yeah, well, just keep okay. soldering your hair, Curtis. It'll be fine. No, I quit <laughs> doing that. I like my hair. All right. Cool project. So anyway, though. if you have a dragon and you live in the UK. There are a few of these boards left as of yesterday. I think there's still some now because usually he takes it off the site if it's t- totally sold out. But he's he's running out quick again. So okay. And he said if he does do another run of these because the part shortage of getting chips and stuff is is pretty bad. If he does do another run, he probably won't be able to do it for a few months. If that's if he decides to do it. Again. Next, we got a follow up. Richard Harding's posted his second video with commentary this time of what his walk around at the Dragon Meetup. Um, I know when we had our meet, uh, walk around that he was doing with us, that was already when the crowds were pretty heavy, so we were getting a lot of you know background noise. This is a bit easier to hear everything. So if you want to kind of have a recap, I won't play it here because obviously we, we did it on our show before, but if you want a, a recap that's a bit easier to hear, and he actually talks to some of the developers that we missed because nice. we around at the time. Nice. You can go through that. and uh, A lot of cool stuff in there, including a few things we were kind of guessing at originally. <laughs> Next, this is a channel I'd not heard of before called Retro Marky, and he got a, a Dragon 32 system from a family member. So he did uh, two videos. The first one's kind of an unboxing, kind of going through you know what he what he got in the in the kit here. Um, he actually got a fair number of games with it Ooh, here. Nice. Came with it. Um, All that beautiful cassette artwork there. Yep, yep, pretty good stuff. Now, unfortunately, when he gets to the second one, <clears throat> the second video is followed because this was basically more the unboxing and kind of going through what came in it. But the second video he did, he actually found some problems. Um, and he actually hasn't got it running yet. And it's related to the power supply. Yeah. So I actually, I sent him a link to John Whitworth's posting that uh, if, if it's related to that, then okay. maybe he can get it going. Because he said at this point, he didn't really know where to go with this at this point. Right. I hope he gets it up and running because it looks like he's got some pretty cool games and some rare yeah. ones that I haven't seen before. So I'd love to see some videos on that. And then our final regular news story, which is actually a late add-on by Terry Steggy. Do you want to kind of preamble this one, Terry? Uh, nobody cares. Move on. Yeah, no. <laughs> Bless your heart. Bless your heart, Terry. Don't have, don't hold back, Stevie. <laughs> Tell us what you really think. 
Oh, I actually had a request from one of my subscribers to connect a GoTek to the Coco. Was, was, that, was, that, your, was that your uncle or your aunt? Because you only have two subscribers, you loser. Depends <laughs> on the ones I hire. <laughs> okay, they're all bots. He's got 785 views oh, on this already, oh, and that's, good, that's, good for that's, you. that's more than our show gets by quite a large margin. And so. it even made it to YouTube CA, eh? Yeah, so it made us all, all the way to Canada. Hey, you're a celebrity, bro. <laughs> Take off, Hoser. <laughs> Take off. Yeah, cool. I actually don't know too much about these. I know the people who have them say they that we're spoiled by the Coco SDC because it's much easier to navigate, you know, on a full screen. And these you have to kind of navigate on that little LED screen, right? LCD, whatever. Yeah, the, the new version's actually quite a bit easier. It just has that uh, knob on the right side there. You can just scroll through pretty quick. I love my SDC, but these are actually kind of handy for, uh, um, you know, just doing a quick one-off on something. You just throw a jump drive in and or a USB drive in, and you're move it over. It, it works pretty good. But plus, these are cross-platform. You can use a GoTech on a lot of retro systems. Exactly. Yeah, I've got another video I had done for the uh, MS DOS version, which just had a couple other config changes. But yeah, I've been blown away. This this video's pushing like almost 800 views yeah, with that is nice. it hasn't been a day yet so good, good job dude Seriously. well thanks yeah, yeah it's been kind of fun actually i've enjoyed doing this do you yeah. um do you have to like uh flash the firmwares and the gotex to work on different systems no that's the nice thing um there's jumpers on the back okay or the the more important stuff is a ff config file that you just load on the root of that usb drive oh interesting and so you can just change it. Oh, to, look at that. Uh, look at you with your aunt fancy intro video there. Look at you. <laughs> That's why it gets the big views, Stevie. Yeah, look yeah. at that. Oh, my. Oh, dude, what's going on here? I'm like entering the matrix or something. The production Steve, values Steve. of this one are strong. Yeah. yeah, Stevie, you need to hire this guy. Wow. This is amazing. Oh, Stevie couldn't afford me. Let me yeah, tell right, you. <laughs> oh, my God. Now this you is a show start. where we don't know the meaning of production value. <laughs> Wow. Welcome to Retro. Look at that. Wow. Yeah, professional photography and everything yeah. else instead of Man. us winging it. You know. wow. That's why he's getting those 800 views and we can only get 100. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, guys, if we didn't keep having brawls during our production meetings, we might get something done. Yeah. I still fight with myself. You know, it's it's bad. But... Ah. There's a production meeting? <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a rehearsal. Eric C, is that Eric <laughs> It is, yep. Okay. Yeah, I think Eric uses a GoTech fairly regularly, and so does Henry Wright. I know, I know, I'm fun. sure David Ladd's got some fondness for this, too. Mm. Yeah. So so the GoTech is basically, it's a floppy emulator, right? So it talks to, it, it looks and acts like a floppy drive to the actual computer system, but then it, it acts as kind of the middleware device where then instead of it being a physical floppy, it can just pull a disk image from a storage device. Exactly. Right. Um, and I know in the past that people have had to work fairly hard to get these things to work properly and make them somewhat user-friendly and stuff. And so um, are they, is there, has this just evolved now where it's a little bit more plug-and-play and, and cross-platform friendly and stuff? or? You know, the biggest um, barrier to entry, I would say, for the Tandy side was nobody wants to cut up their disk drive cables to make this work. So oh, this one... Oh, because our, our, our wiring is not standard? 
Exactly. It's an actual, like a standard floppy drive. It's the, what is it, IDC, IDE pins, whereas, you know, this has um, this adapter that you're seeing on the screen by uh, Blue Lava. It actually just converts it to um, an edge card. So you don't you don't have to modify anything on your existing hardware, which I liked. And the additionally on the new version, there's actually a speaker in that. So <laughs> when you access the quote unquote drive, it actually sounds like a floppy drive. Uh, okay, like MAME does. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So does it also emulate the speed where it loads in at the right speed of a floppy? It does. You can actually change that. Um, uh, this particular one, I had to change it to be the, what is it, Shugart um, specs. And uh, yeah, it, it's no different than having a floppy on your machine. Interesting. Now you're down. I didn't want to modify my Coco. You can hardwire this Ooh. in, but I want to use this on multiple Cocos. So I just bought a uh, power supply, external power supply for it. And I can move it then. But in this process, I found my uh, uh, my Vader Coco. Something's goofy with the, I'm assuming the cartridge slot. I could not plug the FD501 in and make it work to save my life. Works with the SDC, but will not work with the, any, even my, um, I have a, what is it, Alware? And a, what's the other one? The J and, gosh. J&M. J&M, thank you. Um, I have one. I cannot get those to work on that Vader machine. So anyway, that's kind of what this video is. Is this came like about a multi-personality cable where you've got different heads that are pinned out differently, or is this just one that got dual floppy? It's a dual floppy one. I just kind of banded it up because when I was trying to film it, the damn thing was flopping all over the place. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh Okay. But you have to make sure you put it on the the very first adapter, just like any other you know, drive screw has to be on the first one. Okay, so now I'm just using an external power supply to power it. And now you got like yep. the, the mini Molex, the full-size Molex adapter there. Yep. Uh, and you can hook up a real drive at the same time if you want to transfer files off real drives to the to the GoTech, correct? Exactly, yep. Yeah, it's so no different. So you would just select a disk image, mount that, and then you would just copy a zero to one or something like that? Yeah, exactly. That's that's all I've had to do. It, it works phenomenally. I am actually working on 3d printing a case for this particular machine oh so, I can so it'll look like it a cocoa bit. drive or something exactly yeah that's oh. the, a little smaller but uh, we'll see <laughs> i just finished one Ooh. for my i know i know a certain someone who would love a gift like this a go tech and a 3d printed floppy enclosure Ooh. i'm kind of glad he's not on today i was going to be off david Labbitt has everything <laughs> he does have everything oh man this is cool terry you're 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 definitely your camera angle and how you got things going and everything is really nice sir well thank you it actually looks like he knows what he's doing. We should take yeah, lessons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really. What are you doing on this show? Uh, <laughs> Bless your heart. Bless your heart there. Actually, there's your GitHub for getting the flash floppy. I've been trying to use my Tandy Shack um, as a repository for a lot of things that are hard to find. But this particular episode, everything was pretty readily, readily available. I did uh, decide I wanted to put Nick's a gate crasher um, in this episode. So I actually finish out the episode downloading that.
putting nice. it on the USB and, and playing that. So very cool. So you tied it into the game of the week, made it all current and relevant. And... and of course my favorite, I had to put shock trooper on. So do, 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 being a V fan, you know, <laughs> do, 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 do. there you go. Shock. Do, 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 do. Was well, this a capture from your Coco, or is this? Uh, yeah, I, it's actually. Um, is it R RGB to HDMI? Yep. Yeah, super, that's, that's super clean. Wow. Yeah, I've, that's been a pain. Can, could I, you I, um, could you go into eighty columns and make sure it's not blurry? You know, it's just there's no pleasing you. <laughs> <laughs> crasher, load crasher. I did speed this part up just for time's sake, so the flames go a little nuts. Ooh, look at that! Oh. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Level one. Now, did you submit a score this week? I don't remember. I did. I did not do the um, the hack. I actually let the timer run, but I got like eight hundred and sixty or something like that. So I was happy. Not not on this particular gameplay. But <laughs> Yeah, he got one spot above me. Beauty, eh? Oh, Lord. Now you're doing the outro. Now he's even got too? outros. Look at this. <laughs> wow. Thanks for watching. I have, I have to agree with Robert Allen Murphy, who you know, was commenting on why is he on the show, and he said technically it's called slumming. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Retro tech time. Look at you, Mr. Fancy That's Pants. That's the end there. of the news. That's Mr. <laughs> fancy Pants there. How you doing there, Fancy Pants, with your fancy videos and camera angles and intros and outros and factually Actual correct knowledge and factually correct information that goes with your content. <laughs> content. Trying to make us all look bad here, aren't you? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well done, bud. Well, Rock thanks, on. Man. Rock on, brother. Hallelujah. And bless your heart. Lovely little. Oh, I forgot. Handsome. You're handsome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think you paid that person. <laughs> I had no idea where that came from. <laughs> Someone with a twisted sense of humor, right? So well, it's uh, on with us then. <laughs> right. Um. Cool. 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 So now this comes to. Another part, another, and this is not, this this segment, probably not as popular as a game on segment, but this is where we get into updates and acquisitions. Have you received anything in the mail? Did you get something new on eBay? Are you working on a project? Uh, you know, you got something you want to share, story to tell, anything like that. So I believe Rick Euland, you had mentioned you wanted to announce something. I don't remember what it was, but I think you did say you had something to share, right? Indeed, I do. Um, let me try to click this button and achieve share screenage, which I think just means I blindly click on stuff until someone says, yeah, I see a window now. I see it. Okay, UDA. so this is like the, uh, oh, yeah, I even got a little pop-up that says it worked. Um, so this may be the first uh, web page on the Internet designed for the Coco to read directly, and uh, it's not a beauty queen right now, but it is a beauty, eh? It it is online. And, Howdy, uh, if you're you know, reading this page, uh, and then I may quickly click away so you can't keep up a train of thought. And uh, 
um, you know, it's got pop-ups for links, so you can use it with the keyboard and stuff like that. This is the web browser that I wrote for to go with the Coke IO card. Okay. And so, of course, um, Mark is letting me sleep on his couch virtually. So here is a web page on his, uh, what is it, uh, playclassics.net site. Um, okay. If you ha happen to have this product and you've already downloaded this stuff, change these two lines in your basic and you will go to the new page. If you haven't, I will have GitHub changed in a minute. So there's so, an actual hosted Coco website right now on the interwebs that somebody can get to with an actual Coco. Exactly. You could go to playclassics.net slash dot slash index and see it on a regular web browser. And if you shrink it really, 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 really small, it will look kind of like the Coco page does. <laughs> right. But what's the um, fun we, in that? We want to see it on a Coco. <laughs> right, right. You can see it on a Coco. Well, and then I'm also going to have some non-Coco sort of, okay, here's where you go to the GitHub and download the program kind of thing. So you can go there with any browser and just kind of uh, get your Coco IO on. So, and we'll be doing one for the Coco Nick project as soon as it has stuff to put online. So, uh, yeah, Coco browsers. Oh. And I like then, the fact uh, you're doing it in Basic 9. And have you tried it on my site? Because I purposely made that fairly dumbed down so it would work with the Coco browser, which was my original intent 20 years ago. When I tried, I didn't have much luck, um, but that was a more early version of dub, dub, dub. Okay. Yeah, okay. so we may be better now. And then a sad note, here's the top 30 foot of my maple tree oh. laying in the backyard from the windstorm that we... Oh. We got a while back, so. Can you wring it out and get maple syrup from it? I don't know, but it looks pretty funny now without the peak on top. Yeah. yeah. So, so sorry about know. that tree. Any there pictures of your hot neighbor across the street while we're on this? Or no, no I, think <laughs> I think the exploding tree scared her off. She's, she's hit. Simmer down, Stevie. Uh, simmer down. Oh. And, uh, Beauty, eh? So we so, have a, we have a cocoa. What the hell does immersive mean? I don't Oh, There's a new view. And so there's a Discord, there's a Zoom update. And there's a new view that's called immersive. I have no idea what that is. And I'm scared to try it right now. So we'll, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> so um, why does Zoom only give you the update thing just before you go into a meeting? Oh, who knows? Who knows? At any other time, you can't update it for hell. I go to all uh, the settings. There's the, the update's not there, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it just popped up here. So now I can update in the middle of the show. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, kick you off. Uh, Grant Leedy, did you have something you wanted to mention? Yes, I got some Cocoa uh, Fest information here that we have finally have decided on the pricing and uh, emissions and table fees and everything like that. So, and I am proud to announce that Cocoa Fest will be free to attend this year. So you will, or next year. You, yeah, next year. I'm sorry for 2022. So yes. Uh, the only the only caveat is if you still want to be a member of the Glenside Color Computer Club, you will still need to pay your fifteen dollar dues. But if you get a table, then your dues that will dues, cover, that will cover your dues cover automatically. It. Okay, so, beautiful. So if you get a table, that will do that for, will your do. <laughs> for your dues. Exactly. Yes. So Coco Fest is free this year. This is the first time in in probably Ever, history. I think. It is free, and hopefully we can continue that tradition because um, that would just be cool, right? And for any of us here that are involved with other retro groups like general retro communities that cover a variety of machines, 
plug it as much as you can, especially plug for it. people that are in that area. Yes. The fact that it's free, if they've been kind of nervous to want to spend 15 bucks, I'm not that much into the cocoa yet. Right. Um, encourage them to go because now it won't cost them anything to get in. Right, right. And I, and I, and we have this information up in our stream too, right? So we have the dates on our <laughs> Cocoa Talk stream. Our Cocoa Fest 22 is happening May 14th and 15th. And you can go to glensideccc.com to find out about that. And if you want to register, that should take you over to tandylist.com where you can register, pre-register, you can reserve. I don't know if they have the floor plan laid out for this next year already or not. Do you know, Grant? Can we already? Not yet. Uh, okay. We're looking at January 15th that hopefully will go live. So Okay. So, um, beauty, eh? Free. Cocoa yep. Fest is free. That's the big news. And then the dinner is still between ours as it was for last year. And that year. dinner was awesome. Definitely so. Yeah. One other thing too. I, 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 I would like to request we do not have meatloaf at this. Uh... <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed the meatloaf. Did you really? So yeah, I, 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 is it crasses me and I maybe, but uh, I enjoyed the meatloaf. Yeah. Okay, Stevie, we'll, just... we'll get the salmon for you next year. There we go, salmon. As I recall, it was it was democratic. People voted for it. They, they wanted. did, and that, that blows my mind. That just well, I just picked mind. meatloaf and then ate all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other thing, too, is I am starting to look for speakers. So if you are interested in uh, giving a presentation for Cocoa Fest uh, next year, just uh, reach out to me on Discord or send me an email at CocoaFest at glensidecc.com. Let's get that Terry Steg in there. He can, he can tell us all how to make good YouTube videos. So people watch <laughs> yeah, them. that'd be a good one. Oh, God, yeah. No. Beauty, eh? Beauty. Yeah, I ben I and I have already volunteered. We'll do one together again. Oh, I think crap. I will definitely be hitting Terry up for a uh, commercial for yeah for the cocoa oh, yeah. fest oh yeah yeah no honestly terry your video production skills are on a level so far beyond the grasp of mere mortals that um it is uh, it's phenomenal i cannot afford this episode you're the bill you're gonna send me yeah. out. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being serious man i'm totally being well, serious. Thank I, you. Uh, and i i do uh, i have good and bad news i'm not gonna be able to go to cocoa fest this year but it's for a good reason my uh third granddaughter's going to be born cesarean that actual weekend really? so well, it's listen, already scheduled if, listen so. if, if she knows if, if they're gonna do it that way they can move the date around come on come <laughs> yeah. on listen move I'm, I'm already in hot water my daughter's name is courtney and i've always called her coco she just figured out this last <laughs> year why her nickname's coco so i i have to be good <laughs> oh that's like one year or somebody was saying oh yeah my sister's getting married but look listen you know when coco fest is a year out tell your sister to move the freaking wedding already you know it's like come on yeah i told son-in-law i'm like you know we got to talk man this is, this <laughs> this is, is your Cocoa. fault this is coco fest man priorities man you <laughs> did this <laughs> and i'll be paying for this episode hopefully she's not gonna watch oh, so lord don't worry, no one watches this. Nobody watches. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, just look yeah. at your numbers versus ours, yeah, Terry. More, more, people, whatever. more people watch Retro Tech Time apparently than Coco. Apparently, Talk, yes. So yes. Oh God, Lord oh. have mercy. So, well, Grant, uh, you were looking for speakers. I, I got one right here. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks, yeah. Jason. It's got a it's got a button and a volume control and everything. That yeah. looks pretty nineties. I don't know. It is. It, it is definitely. If you're definitely. looking for some feedback, uh, here you go. Oh, okay, there it is. Feedback for you there too. So. Actually, we can, we've, if we can get that speaker for Stevie with the volume control, I'd like that too. So. <laughs> How much? That is, or the mute button would be good too. Uh, oh, Lord. That's extra. <laughs> Coco Fest number thirty, the thirtieth annual Coco Fest. Isn't that something? 
And it's, that's and that, in addition to all the Rainbow Fest that happened. Right, before. and that and that is because we they actually skipped a year because the 29th annual happened a year later than it should have happened. So this should have been the 31st Coco Fest, theoretically. But you know, thank you, COVID. All right. So, uh, uh, Rick, I'm I'm really I'm really excited about having a a browser that you can browse on a Coco, and I like that you have a product that you're working on that actually has an application ready to use on it, too. So when people grab this Coco. What is it called now? CocoNet or Coco.io? What's the, the... There was already a CocoNet, so I'm Coco.io. Coco.io. <laughs> so when people get the Coco.io network card for their Cocos, they can pop it into a browser and just browse their little happy hearts out, right? And uh... I, I thought I was making a hardware product, and I'm writing content and setting up servers. and <laughs> I was so far wrong. How but deep it's fun. does rabbit hole go? Exactly so. So, yeah, if anyone wants to write any Coco content, we're putting... Uh, on the site, we're actually putting pages that work with the browser so far, so you can write to the thing, and then as kind of uh, test it out, yeah. And as soon as the other uh, products come online, we will also write pages towards them. So we'll we'll see what we can do to make this thing go. That's far out. With any luck, we'll make some abstractions so that uh, there'll be a network layer for the individual network interface, and then the browser gets in on top of that. So anyway. Hey, Rick, I got a question. Is, is there a possibility that you could give us the specs of what these, uh, I guess, our HTML pages or whatever they are look like, and we could convert our, our current websites to possibly be compatible with your um, browser? That's, that's actually the purpose of the site that's online now. So I'm keeping the, there, there are like tutorial pages on how to write a Cocoa website that I will keep updated as new features come online yeah. with the, the product. So nice. you can go there and, and say, oh, I get to do tables this week. And this is HTML5 <laughs> with CSS and all that good stuff? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> JavaScript, you name it, it's all there. It, <laughs> I asked for 1.0. Most people give me 1.1. It works. Uh-huh. You know, but, but we're talking static HTML, no JavaScript, obviously. Yeah, no. That's um, going back but, to the roots, uh, man. The roots of the But are you supporting and, blink, the annoying blinking text? Oh, yeah, we got that. Oh, right. God, God blinks. So I, yeah. now, I missed that. A, now, is there a, Throw that in for 50 bytes. You know? <laughs> we, will we be able to put an under construction uh, banner on there? And, and, oh, we uh, need the that. guy with the, yeah, yeah throw on the shoulder. <laughs> yes. Actually, Rick, there's one of those included, I believe, in EOU and in, in the GIFs directory. So if you program, oh, we'll sweet, do that for sweet. you. And then we need, a, we need a hit counter on the bottom. You are viewer number 497 to this website. Hey, I still have that on my site. <laughs> Does webcounter.com still work? And then, and then if you can also get the best viewed and uh, what did, what's the name of your browser now? It's going to be named for that. Oh, right now it's dub, dub, dub. Okay. So this website so, is best viewed the, dub, dub, dub browser, right? So, the worst <laughs> web wrangler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, TM. TM. Yeah. All right. Uh, Karen's asking if we pay more, can we take the blink out? <laughs> well, the one thing I would do, Rick, like because I was fiddling with it when I was doing my little base nine mini browser back in the day, is uh, we've got some of the graphics modes sped up enough, like the two color six forty column. You can have all the alternate fonts and stuff, so you can start doing like some of the ISO Latin fonts, some of the IBM ANSI fonts. You can actually you know, 
gussy it up a little bit there and, and actually have like you know bold smaller text and all that uh, kind of stuff. Guess is that, like, the, is that like putting the, lipstick on David Ladd when you guess? Is that the first out? time we've <laughs> used the word gussy on the show? <laughs> I hope so. That was my could, goal. Could be well gussy that sucker. You gotta make it all pretty lad. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, I'm not trying to make a good basic nine browser. I'm just trying to block out a web browser and then maybe some of it will end up in basic 09, but no, just, just for now, so, like the, the one I did, I, I can't remember. Did I send you the code for that? It might even be on the. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Um, it's it's had, so like, strange because things what, what the, what the product needs is a memory manager to hide the non FIFO FIFO buffers in the WizNet from the Coco. So if, I'm watching the serial stream on the network and I see there is a JPEG image to download. I need really need to tell some browser, okay, you do the dance with the non FIFO. Okay. I'm at the end of the buffer. I start back at the start of the buffer. I write down my finish image, blah, 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 blah. I need something else to do that. So, um, I don't remember why I started on this conversation, but the idea is I'm finding all the problems. Okay. <laughs> and then so it sounds like some FIFO, 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 FUM. Yeah, yeah, FIFA, it, it's FIFA, FO, it's FIFA, very FO. easy to get started and it's very difficult to finish a job because of the buffer dancing and things that you need to do. Um, so anyway, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out what we don't know right now, and I'm okay. starting to find out a few things. But that's cool. <laughs> You've got a Cocoa website. You got a Cocoa browser. We've got a Cocoa network card. What's the availability on the network cards right now? Is that? Uh, uh, I'm at plus fifteen. So buy some, please. <laughs> Can we go to the Cocoa website to check availability of said product and order yes, it's, online it's, through our Cocoa? It is. <laughs> well, well, no, we can't do that right now. Uh, um, although I'm actually going to just have a site that uh, a page on that site that just links so you can go there with any web browser right and uh you know okay where do i buy that thing well i'll have a link to my store because you know <laughs> oh this is this is like a samuel gimes moment if you mention floppy drives and gotex long enough david ladd will appear ladies and gentlemen david oh, ladd Jesus. has joined the program <laughs> Ooh, david Ooh. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, David. Are you excited to be here, David? Uh, well, I was thinking about going back to sleep, but <laughs> if you're thinking about going back to sleep, you're in the right place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, want to stay on, just watch the show a little while longer. Yeah. It's like ambient. You'll be out like a light. Yeah. No, seriously, the cloud cover was was uh, thick enough that I thought it was still early morning, so uh, I've been oh, sleeping. Somebody is greeting you by your proper title. Kevin Holloway says, hello, Lord of the Floppy. So there you go, David. So, Kevin, don't don't start with me. Otherwise, uh, he was, the uh, he was... Christmas party will be canceled on Tuesday. Oh, is Kevin local to you? Yes, he is. He's oh. the vice president of our club. Oh, hey, Kevin. Oh, is I it did. the hair club? I <laughs> wow, wow! There's a whole lot of love. In I just couldn't yeah. resist that low-hanging fruit. Oh yeah, oh yeah! Don't oh, talk yeah. to me about low-hanging fruit. We'll fix that for you later. Oh, wow. oh, oh, oh! oh. oh. Oh, mark that now, being threatened by David Ladd. Oh yes, oh, watch out! He's a hugger. <laughs> I'm not touching that with a 10-foot motor rod. 
All right. Who else has got an update to share an acquisition? Anything? Anyone? 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 I was curious. Right. I, I, what Rick's website was real quick. Sorry. What is, what is his website? Yeah, it's it's computerconnect.com with one N. Computer. I just I just posted this. Uh, and you can email Rick, oh, Rick at computerconnect.com. Yep, I just posted this. Across the river from David is what Kevin Holloway says. Over the river and through the woods. Um, Over the river and through the woods to David Lentz House we go. Iowa. Yes, and Sloppy, Iowa. Sloppy Malibu. You said you have an update. Uh, he's soldering right now. Mute. He's building things. Yes. He's, he's updating. Yes. Hello, Sloppy. Greetings and sanitations. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was uh, in a another Discord, and uh, yes, Marco, dare you. I admit it. I You've was been two-timing us. I know. Yes. Yeah, Marco called me out on it, and I was uh, giving some assistance to someone who needed help with soldering, and they eventually gave up on their soldering and offered me a, a new little toy uh, for the cost of shipping. So I got a pocket TRS. Okay. If people are not familiar with these things, which probably not, what it is is it uses an ESP32 module dash to emulate. O-1. No, actually, <laughs> dash W R O O M dash E oh, or no okay. B. <laughs> Get it right. Okay. And uh, what it does is it emulates a um, Tandy TRS80 Model Three and Four. Okay. And it has a VGA for uh, the video. Okay. A PS2 uh, monitor. PS2 monitor or PS2 keyboard? PS2 keyboard. Okay. And um, audio in and out. Uh, audio out for sound and audio in for cassette. Cassette, okay. And then uses a micro USB for power. Okay, what's the header back there for? Okay, we're getting to that. Oh, sorry. Going around. <laughs> getting ahead of things here. Going around. To uh, reset the mo- the machine. Okay. This is for programming the uh, ESP32. Okay. And uh, then we have a another uh, reset for the uh, emulated machine and a reset for this board. And then down here, we have the system bus for the for the Model Three and Model Four. So you can add on anything that you would put into the. Uh, uh, back three. of the model three and four okay it's like floppy drives even yep you can put a floppy controller on it you can put a uh fred a, a hard drive emulator on it okay or you can even put a real hard drive from a model three or model wow. four on it and what it it, it uh it uh fully emulates it 48k the whole nine and it also uh emulates fred through a window share so you can connect to wi-fi on it and then you have a share that it will actually act like a hard drive oh neato so like an smb share that's a shared folder becomes the hard drive that it's accessing that is correct neat yep that is a cool thing yes it is Takes up a How whole much? lot less space than a typical model four desk right <laughs> what's it called it it's called a uh, Pocket TRS. Pocket TRS. Yes. I, How much uh, was it? I got this for the cost of shipping. What do they sell for typically, ballpark? 
it is an open source project and uh, there isn't a uh, regular seller of them. I oh, you'd have to just... buy all the parts and then flash it yourself with a like a JTAG programmer yeah. or something? Yeah. Well, actually with a uh, USB to TTL. TTL. And TTL. Yes. RS-232. That was half the problem with this one is the guy didn't uh, wasn't able to um, flash the chip to be able to use it. <laughs> now, does this um, have to be soldered together or is it all? Yes. Okay, so some soldering required. Um a lot of resoldering required. This 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 center here, mm -hmm. that is a module that comes as one, but everything else on this board has to be soldered. Okay. Uh, this chip is missing because the person that I got this from, their uh, surface mount skills were uh, lacking. They were on par with a uh, certain like unnamed Curtis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and he lifted one of the pads, so I have to go through and actually do the full repair before I put the the IC back on. Mm. So, but, uh, yeah, I was just talking with the, uh, with one of the people that, uh, well, the main developer of this and, uh, he has given me my, his blessings to make them. Oh, neat. <laughs> cool. So, so you I'm can provide assembled ones that people can just buy from you. Yeah. I'm considering doing that. I just need to, uh, talk to the powers that be to see what what all needs to be done and look into the complete details okay interesting but, uh, but that yes that looks kind of cool that looks that looks really cool that's, that's, right. yep. that's and so that ttl is it doing basically like a hardware based emulation so this would be similar to an fpga type thing like a mister and stuff um i'm not 100 sure i do believe it's doing software emulation mm, okay. um because it's it's not exactly a uh okay but still it's a single board computer that's pretty compact and, and runs your trist dos type type stuff that's really cool right um but it it, it fully acts like a uh, system um yeah. i really the, uh, like i really like it emulates the hardware bus that's yeah, that's yeah. beauty. Yeah, that that's, you have that fair that's bus a true on the emulator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the close. The, yeah, go ahead, Rick. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to say no. That's a true emulator. It's like right. you know, stick an MPI into your Raspberry Pi, and uh, right, right, right. There's your cocoa. The the closest <laughs> yep. thing I've seen like that in some over the counter retail products is that um, at Games has released some uh, like they they had an Atari 2600 thing that had built-in games, but you could put a cartridge in it too and it would play a, a, a real cartridges on there like their $40 emulated Atari, right? Um, and they had one for the Sega Genesis too where it, you could plug a Genesis cartridge into their little $40, you know, FPGA game, game thing to play it. Um, the only problem is that their emulation was slightly off, but it was a neat thing to get something new and cheap that would still have, like kind of retrofit some old real hardware, you know? Yep, and here I'll uh, plug it in so you can see what it looks like. And we've got multiple David Ladd sightings now. David Ladd is on the call. David Ladd was visiting us in uh, Twitch, and he's now saying hi on YouTube as well. Hello, David Ladd, and all of your variants and strains. There's a David Ladd variant now? <laughs> yes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, Jason. <laughs> I've been morphed. <laughs> David, David Ladd Om Omicron. And there it is. There it is. That's beautiful. And it starts up just like a uh, Model 3. And 
Will this thing run Donut Dilemma? That's the real test. Like run, like Sailor Man is the 64K test. Donut Dilemma should be the uh, TRS-80 test. test. Yes. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to say that uh, getting this thing was to be able to run run uh, the great games of uh, a certain Nick, but I will not deny that uh, allegation either. Mm -hmm. so, How is it that it works without that one chip being on there? Uh, because that one chip is a uh, interface chip for the uh, bus. Oh, okay. For the uh, what you don't Model right 3 now. 4 bus. So, mm -hmm. so you can't bus. plug your uh, expansion right you plug in. Until that so if I plug in any expansions, they wouldn't work because they're not connected. But 48K, Pocket Trist yeah. DOS, configure yeah. status, reset settings, help, exit. Wow. Yeah. That's neat. And you can configure it. So um, it's, it's got its own kind of firmware in here. Yep. Show splash and, screen, uh, enable TRS-IO, screen color. Oh, can it do like green emulation too for the screen? Yes, it can do. Uh oh, I see the password to your Wi-Fi. I see the passenger Wi-Fi. Cover that up. Right. Cover Are you still up. rocking a 95 Honda? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and you'd have, you'd have to be within 100 feet of my house hey, to Sloopy's use my neighbors. Wi-Fi. Sloopy's neighbors, free Wi-Fi password. What? Netflix free Wi-Fi near Sloopy. Yeah. <laughs> So and, can uh, you load? Hey, can you load a DSK wi wirelessly? No, it does not. What it does is it doesn't uh, actually uh, emulate a floppy. Oh. It emulates uh, Fred, which is the hard drive, which emulator. is a hard drive emulation. Yeah, and then you access um, hard drive images on a uh, Samba share on a Windows share. Hey, it's actually connecting. Can yeah. you show us that? SMB yes. connected, yeah. See, connected to the living room. Oh, and it would have had an SD card too if you had one, huh? Ooh. So Ooh. let's configure. I you can configure that the, camera uh, to stay in focus. Yeah, can yeah. stay focused. Right? That would be nice. Lock yeah. focus. That's Couldn't they do this and have a cocoa on there? Just the same. There. Okay, now we have Fred. I thought you probably could. Fred. Okay, LDOS, LDOS 3, CPM, new DOS 3D, huh? Oh, they have a 3D DOS, you need glasses for that? We've got L Curtis Boy, they've got L DOS. L DOS. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that is, is a it... Spanish for the DOS. The DOS. <laughs> <laughs> I see where you were going there. Oh, yes. Ooh, you set him <laughs> yes. up. Ooh, you set me up, and I'll make the goal. <laughs> Thanks for the assist. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's not supposed to reset here. I'm having problems with it, but. Uh -huh. So you're saying it won't load Donut Dilemma right now? <laughs> not at the moment. So oh. it's a proper demo, is yeah. <laughs> yep. Does it have we'll the black? Yeah. Does it have the white screen of death then? Actually, the uh, green doesn't work. So it's although it looks white to you, it's actually a nice shade of purple. Oh. For Ooh. some reason, green is not working. So I think that there's um, the person that. that uh, chip too. <clears throat> yeah, the um, the person who um, who uh, assembled this um i think they messed up the esp32 module so what no curse a... esp no. yeah it won't TTL. it's like when i hit enter on these they're supposed to be loading whichever one i selected and instead of it it's it's resetting which i was talking to the developer and that's what we were working on and he just sent me a, a new uh thing to put in there 
and that's what I was just trying. Okay. But yeah, it's uh, it's not working quite right, and I'm when uh, someone uh, sees fit to go out and buy buy a uh, drive wire, Leslie. Uh, <laughs> And I'll be able to afford another ESP32 unit to put into it and try it out fully. So support so, Sloopy's habit and buy a drive wirelessly. Yes, please. Exactly. exactly. I would greatly appreciate it. If you it. act today, we might even throw in a free wire to go with that drive wirelessly as a bonus. If you act now, we'll throw in a free <laughs> Wi-Fi password. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hey, hey, Sloopy, I got a question. I have an answer. So... Like, for example, Nick's newest game, Gem Hunter, for the TRS-80s. How would you get that converted over to the hard disk emulator to work? He would copy it to his Windows PC, which is a, this, which is shared out over the Wi-Fi. Um, it can run those DSKs? I would. I'm going to put it like this. I have never owned a uh, Model 3. The closest I've owned was a Model 4P, which I used almost none because I didn't know how to use it, didn't understand it. So I pretty much owned it and that was it. Uh, literally, I did not know about this until about a week. And I didn't know about the pocket TRS until about a week and a half ago when someone was asking uh, for some help with soldering. And literally, I've had it since yesterday at 3 p.m. So I don't really know a whole lot about it. And Can you go to basic and type in hello world and all that? Nothing's yes. loading. Oh, it was basic built into ROM? Yeah, basic's built into the ROM. Okay. So. So it, it starts when the, uh, yep, yep. When the IO is not done and it acts just like a, a Model 3 with no, uh, you with have no to get a ready prompt. Ready. Yep. Memory size. Don't you have to go to basic or? He's in basic. He's doing right now. Are you yeah. saying? Are you saying oh, I see it. Okay. it uh, yeah. That memory size prompt is how much memory do you want for basic or something like that, and then blop, you're in basic. Isn't it um, semicolon? How much you want to reserve for uh, for variables? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you set the size and then blop, you're in basic, and you have assembly room if you made okay. some. Yeah, so there you go. There's a hello. There world. it is. It's working. It's very cool. Yeah, I mean it does. It works if you have like a a uh, 48k uh, Coco 3 with no disk drives. This is a very good emulator. <laughs> How about printing? Um, I don't know. That might have to be fixed. connected to the headers for the bus. But yeah, yeah, I got to figure out what's wrong with uh, with the, with the machine and uh, why it's not uh, accessing the hard drive like it should. Yeah, I would I would imagine to answer the question though is that if you were going to pull it through an emulated hard drive, it couldn't be in a disk image. It would have to be the actual binary file that you could just load straight from the DOS prompt. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd have to like um, extract it from the disk image, put it in your Samba share, and then pull it that way and run it as a binary. Yeah. Can I uh, share my screen for a quick second? Sure. All right. Uh, let's see here. Screen two. Share. All right, this is my uh, my share for it, and um, archives, if you ignore, backup, yeah, if you file. ignore the if you ignore the folders because those are I've been working on it and trying to figure it out. 
he had just sent me all these files. Well, he sent them to me in a zip so file. Some CMD files, some BAS files. And yeah, he said this is what you need in the uh, in the share to get everything basically running. Donuts there. Yeah. So donut is there. So these are yep. some things that are kind of like in the root of the hard drive that it would like kind of like it's you know it's boot it's boot files and stuff. Right. If you had a Fred on your uh, on your Coco three or four or one, then this would be the SD card that emulates the hard drive. Right. So the ones that are dot CMD are probably the binary files. So you got like donut yeah. dot CMD and escape zone dot CMD disassemble yeah. ghost three. So that's that's the format they'd have to be. You'd have to get them off of a disk image into the actual like just like a Coco bin file. You'd have to take that bin file and stick it in the Windows share that it would find over the Wi-Fi. Yep. Uh, there you get some ROMs in there. Model Three Fred ROM, some Fred HD Basic Boot ROM, Fred ROM. Uh, mm -hmm. Neat. It's a neat idea. It's really cool. Yeah. So, Loopy, how much are you needing to get this off the ground? Um. I've been looking at a little bit of the pricing. I have to make sure for availability of uh, the uh, ICs, but probably somewhere between seventy-five and hundred dollars, I should be able to uh, make uh, five or ten of them at least. Yeah, if you, you take pre-orders. <laughs> uh, if you want. Yep, sign yeah. me up for one. Yeah, it's yeah, neat. All right. Um, yeah, send me a message on Discord. And let me talk to the person who has sold a couple and how much he regularly sold them for. And I'll go with that as a starting point. And if I can do them for cheaper, then I'll, I'll do refunds. And if not, then I'll, I'll uh, say, Hey, is this much more or whatever. Hey, before you're done sharing your screen, is there any more of your personally identifying information you'd like to share with the world? Any more passwords, credit card numbers, last four of your social? Yeah, yeah we well, just I'm, need the number on the back, that three-digit number. Yeah, that, right, right. Oh, that is 138. All right. You just have to figure out which card it's for. Right, right. Unless it's Amex, which is thoughtfully put the verify number on the front along with the credit card number. So, Yeah. I mean, literally, what are you going to get? I have, uh, I have four dollars, or no, I have six dollars in my, uh, in my PayPal, which I was going to send to this guy for this, and he said, "Don't worry about it. He's going to have me do work for him instead." Well, David Ladd could so. get a snack at Taco Bell with that. <laughs> Not a full meal, but a snack. Get that five. <laughs> they got that five dollar box deal you can get at Taco Bell. There you go. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Well, that's so, cool, Sloopy. Thanks for sharing that. We yep. look forward to seeing how that project goes. There's got to be a way now to somehow connect that to drive wirelessly as well, where the Coco and the Tris can talk to each other wirelessly somehow through the Bitbanger. That's your next project. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> okay. No pressure. Just have it done by next Saturday right. show. You're yeah. doing All both right. of them, so just, 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 make it a, just make it a Christmas Pardon? miracle. <laughs> Hardware is done. Now you just need to get someone to do software. There you go. Boom. Isn't that always the case? Okay. Anybody else have a project update, acquisition, something they'd like to share? Anyone? No, you do, but I got a brief. I got a very brief one. Very, It's boring, but we'll, Ooh, I can bring it up real quick. Yes. Kind of a, uh, it's, a, it's very brief. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's an early Christmas present, and I, I'm using it right now. 
get out of and town. And so since I'm using it, it's a little hard to show it, but I have the box. But uh, the lovely Sarah as an early Christmas present since uh, having some lighting issues got me a uh, ring light and you can see oh. the re reflection oh. of the ring oh, yeah look at that yeah and cool. it's got the little it's got the little uh, remote uh, there we go oh, the remote control clicker. it's got a clicker i've got it's got a clicker it's usb powered Ooh. it's on a it's on a little stand here and it, you know wow. you got 28 46 or 63 inches and wow. um <laughs> and how you, much would you know pay? How much would you pay? Don't answer yet. I, and I don't have any personally identifiable information on here, but I, I can I can go through the three colors. It has three colors and oh, ten Lord, brightness yeah. level. Count them wow. ten. That, oh, there's oh, look a, at that. that. Now we've gone to natural light. <laughs> yes. Now we've like gone to like the yeah. It's like ugh. And then the we, yellow light. There's the white light. Yeah. And there's the white the light, and there's the uh, that's where yeah, that's kind of where I was at before, and then I have the so yeah, it's just a wired oh wired remote control here. Now, what there's, what's the purpose oh. of it? Well, it's well, let's see. It here's the purpose it of it, Ron. Let me shut it off. Look, he's in the dark. That's yeah, a good purpose. That's yes. better. Yeah, this is probably yeah. an improvement <laughs> to some better, better some people, dark, yes. but that, that you're just well, gonna have better. to live with. Oh, they've got porn orange and. Yeah. Now, now I challenge you. I challenge you to upgrade this by putting a toggle switch on it. Well, it's it's already yeah. it already has four push button switches. Yeah, but it's not a it's not a Coco Man product without a toggle switch. Come on. Well, it does oh, have a USB. It. I could I guess I could put a USB. Or could could we at least switch. could we at least upgrade it to work with the clapper so we can clap off. Clapper. Clap off. Oh, every every time there's a loud noise, it just shuts off. Yeah, yeah that right. that sounds great. <laughs> that's that that's it but it's, it's very helpful it's on a stand it's right here Ooh. Ooh. yeah sarah the lovely and talented sarah always thank you <laughs> absolutely um anybody else project update acquisition anyone 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 all right i have one thing to show that i did acquire which i showed um uh, uh briefly when david lent was on which I, he had to leave but um, I actually got this a couple weeks ago, but every now and then I go into a, um, a pen and paper a board game store that's uh, somewhat local to me. And, they, and, and they've been remaking a lot of the um, Dungeons and Dragons books now, too. And like the box sets, I remember I, used to, I, have to, I had the box sets, the blue box. The red box was the basic set. The blue box was the advanced set. And this was like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons that wasn't the advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And then there was another board game, which I still have somewhere in my garage, that was called Dungeon. And it folded out and kind of had like a Monopoly board and little plastic tokens. And you moved them around the dungeon and you rolled dice and you pulled up monster cards and fought monsters and got treasure. And so I saw that they had, um, I saw they had the reproductions of the boxed sets of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, man, I really wish they would reproduce that game Dungeon because mine's in really bad shape and it was a cool board game and I wish they had it. And the guy walks over and goes, oh, yeah, we got one right here. I think this is it. And so I went and I looked at it. And so this is the new, um, the newly produced version of the game Dungeon, which is basically um, a board game that has like the, the floor plan of you being in a dungeon. And you can be one of four characters. And each character has different strengths. So you have to go to different levels that have harder monsters but have more treasure. And the goal is to reach a certain amount of gold if you're like a level one low character you've got to get a thousand gold if you're a strong character you got to get like ten thousand gold or whatever it is but you run around slaying monsters uh, gaining gaining points until you reach your um, point value you have to get and then you have to make your way back to the start um, so it's a really cool um, game that I and I still have my version in the garage the box has deteriorated but the one thing I did to my version of the game was that I, I actually 
had modified the rules and I'd changed some of the monster cards and I did some few things. And when I did that, being a dumb kid, not thinking that I would still have this 40 years later, I actually used Elmer's glue and I taped on my new stats for the cards on top of the old cards. And so my upgraded version of the game now has zero collectability and, and lots of shame um, uh, associated with it. So, um, but I'm glad I have kind of a new um, version of this. So um, one of these days, I'll, I'll I, my video will not look anywhere near as good as any of Terry Steggy's. So this is like trying to put lipstick on a pig, trying to do one of my videos. But maybe I will do uh, setting this thing up and showing you what this one looks like compared to the old one or something like that. I might do something like that. But it, it's a, it was a cool game. It's something you can play of two to four players, and you roll dice, and you move little pawns around the screen, and it's a fantasy theme type game. So... Uh, so that was something I got a little while ago. Um, and then the other thing that I was going to show off, but I was hoping um, I did put this in Discord and I gave um, stuff to a few people to try. But I had mentioned, um, I, I mentioned, I've been, I've been talking about this for a while and then I mentioned it in an interview I did with uh, David Lent. And then I mentioned, I think a week or so ago, I wanted to work on this text adventure game engine. And I, I, I got as far as doing kind of a mock-up screen where I showed you just a fake screen of what the game might look like. And then I took that one step further and I created some mock-up rooms and I have kind of a playable demo that you can navigate through a handful of screens. And I put that on the um, Interactive Fiction channel on Discord. There's a zip file you can get and you can download. And I've got two binaries. I've got a Windows binary and a Mac OS binary where you can try it out. Um, and so I had asked a few people to try it before the show just to, to look at it and give me your opinion. So I don't know if anybody, I think the only person I know who did for sure was Alan Murphy. I'm not sure if his microphone is on or not. Um, but I, I thought I, I would just, and I'm not looking for somebody to stroke my ego. I'm just more looking for feedback and opinion. And if you guys want me to show it on the show, I can dare that. I can do that too. But um, Alan, did you get a chance to, you did look at it a little bit, right? Yeah, I went through the uh, you know, entire first version that you sent me. We validated that it worked under Wine on Linux. And okay. uh, uh, <clears throat> after the entrance, I went east instead of west and uh, managed to trap myself in the attic. Okay. And then uh, went back and went to the west and saw the Room of Horror. Ah, uh, yes. And the, no spoilers on that, but yes, there are... Um, there are truly horrific things to see and find in the, even the 10 room demo. Yeah. Yeah. So I started and, by just like mocking up the screen to say, what would the screen look like? And then I'm and like, all right, well, let me take it the, one step further. Everything worked. Um, it was reasonably easy to navigate because it's built around a hotkey system for, um, for your most common things. So it, it's somewhere, I mean, it's easier to navigate than Daggereth, that's for sure. So you just hit in for north and that kind of thing. Right. Um, and that may change over time. And I mentioned this to Rick, too, Rick Eulen at, at Cocoa Fest, that I wanted to work on this. And and so while I'm, I'm doing this in Quick Basic because it's just easy for me to develop. And the bottom line is is that this it's quick. I can it's quick and you can run it on a real computer. You don't have to run an emulator. So it's still a vintage retro project, but it's going to run on a modern computer and uh, so you don't have to fire up an emulator to play it. However, because I am writing it in BASIC, it should be easy enough to port to BASIC09, but I don't want to be bothered with yes. having to learn and develop yes. for BASIC09 right now. But oh. once, once I have the engine, as I have some releasable versions of the engine, I'll be happy to give the source code to Rick to let him convert it to BASIC09 for me. Challenge accepted. I can get quick BASIC into BASIC09, no problem. Yeah, yeah And you yeah. put it online on your web. 
page. Yeah, there. we can put on your. Oh, webpage, right. So, yeah, yeah, we'll have the online so, version. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the, so I'll just go ahead and I, I guess I'll just fire it up then, and let's see if it comes up in the uh, stream. Um, I'm not sure if it will. Let me bring it over here onto this window, and then tell me if you can see it. Can you guys see it? Uh, in the um, I, I'm not sharing Zoom right now, so I don't think you can. Hold on one second. Um, let me get out of it and let me try this again. Uh, I think I have to share screen share Zoom with you guys. All right. Okay. All right. So let me try it again. All right. Alt Enter. Let's get it out of full screen. Let's get over here where you can see it on that screen. Let me get OBS open back up again. Let me go back to full screen. All right. So can you guys? We all right, can you see it now in the Zoom? Okay, so you can see the full screen. So, um, my some a lot of the inspiration for this came from. Um, oh shit, where did it go? Jesus <laughs> H Christ! All right, let me minimize that. All right, can you guys still see it now? Can you see it now? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, some of the inspiration for this came from stuff that we've been doing in the news, um, where Curtis was showing all these really cool games, like on the Dragon, where they took the adventure game idea. And they just kind of changed it up where you had some static stuff on the screen. And I said, I really like that idea. I like the idea of, you know, why should we have to keep typing in the word look every time to remind us what's on the screen? Why should I have to keep typing in inventory to see what's in my inventory? What if I just had that stuff on the screen and it doesn't change so you can just focus on what you need to do like i can now just the where i'm at is always there you know so that was so part of the inspiration was just taking the concept and just making it less having to repeat and refresh some of that information right so in this case you've kind of got a static screen and i've got it broken into different areas so the top section here you kind of see the room description Whatever directions are, are available will be there in red. If there are items in the room, that's going to be there, what your inventory is. And then the bottom is where you're going to type in your commands, right? So this is the first version of what the screen layout will be. This may change over time as the needs change. Um, it's kind of working in an MS-DOSy looking screen. So it's 80 by 25, which means that should work very well for the Coco. Pretty, pretty close to that anyways, right? So... Um, and so in the first, you just start off with an introduction, which kind of explains that. And, and I've, I've created a room that doesn't do anything. So this is technically a room and this room is just a description. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. And then I can just hit enter again to go to another room. I have to, am I clicking on that one? All right. And then if I just hit enter again, so now I'm going to another room. It says, this is an example. So my idea of the interactive fiction is I want to have some fiction in here too where we can do some storytelling where it's not just always going from room to room but I have the ability to bring up pages of information where I can create narrative or explain a scene or do things like that so that's kind of built into the engine so you can have a screen that's not really a room it's just a screen uh, that has information and you can have as many of those go to as many of those as you want right um, so this, so the first two screens are information screens, and then when you hit enter again, now you're into the game, right? And so I created this small little um, world to explore. It's just a small house, so to speak. So you see, now we're at it's the main not, entrance. Yeah, it's not updating the screen. It's not updating, yeah. Hmm. How do I fix that? It's not updating that. On I wonder if I'm, I I think I can't have it. Um, I can't have it full screen then for some reason. Can you see it now? 
You can see it now, yeah. but it's super small, right? Yeah. Hmm. If I do it now and I click on it. Alright. I can see that. Okay, do you see where you say you find yourself at the entrance to the Grand Manor? Yeah. Right. And so then what you see here is that you see that the direction says north, right? So um, so the word north is there. So whenever you're in a room, you'll see what are available. You don't have to keep typing in look to remind yourself. So that was kind of the idea. Have the pertinent information always on screen. Oh, so one of the things we're seeing here is they're saying the top is cut off. And the reason why that's cut off is because I have that because Zoom typically has information there that's cut off. So yeah, the top is a status line that kind of tells you the name of your location, right? So I don't know if I if I hit north again and I'm in here. Yeah, it's not updating. So I think I have to click on and click on again. Uh, you find yourself in the grand hall of the manor. Um, yeah. So anyways, this is a playable demo. And you can just right now, I'm not even having you type in commands because this is literally just a demo. You can just hit N for north, S for south, U for up, D for down. And so you can kind of run around the world by pressing a single key right now. That might change over time. But the idea is, is as I'm working on figuring out the logic to the, um, to the game engine and the tables and all that kind of stuff, um, I, I figured I just needed to make something that was kind of a proof of concept. So if anybody wants to look at this, it is um, on Discord. If you go under the game section and under interactive fiction, there's a zip file there right now that has this particular version. And this version is slightly fixed over the one that you saw, Alan, um, where you can now get down from the attic and in that one room, you can now go um, west again or east or whatever it was where it couldn't before because I forgot to put that in the table, right? Um, so this will continue to evolve. And, and right now, I'm going to just be doing some hard-coded stuff to work out the data structures and the logic and how I want to do things. But eventually, once I get all that stuff figured out, I figured rather than me having to write all the stuff into a program, I'm doing this for me and the benefit is other people could use it too, but I'm going to end up creating like a, a level editor where you can build out your adventure screen by screen with a separate program, save that out as a data file. And then the engine is just going to be like the interpreter that will take that file and run the game. So the idea is, is this adventure game engine, you, anybody can take my other tool and build your own adventures and run in there. Um, and, and I'm doing that for me to make it easier for me to make the games rather than having to type it all in as a code, right? So, um, yeah, but we can have a game on challenge where you design the game. Yeah, yeah, but, th <laughs> but ideally this could be, um, a game on challenge. Once we, once we've got a, a, an adventure game that's finished by somebody, we can make that the game of the week, right? Where we can play that adventure. Um, but there's a lot of things I got to figure out on on stuff. So right now I've got the, the the logic and the data figured out where you can navigate room by room by room, and the room logic works, and you can map the rooms, and they work to where you need to go. Um, I need to figure out um, how to place objects in the world and make the objects work in a location versus in your inventory. I want to have um, I want to have other things like a hidden door that you won't know until you search the wall and then there's going to be a hidden door and I want to have doors with conditions like is the door open, is it closed, is it just a doorway I can walk through, is it a locked door that's going to require a key. So there's going to be a lot of things that, that I want to add to it, but I, I need to start simple and just get certain things. So I feel within, you know, probably before the end of this year, I can have a very simple um, adventure game engine that's just kind of like what we had on the Coco, just two word parsing 
walking through locations and being able to pick up and drop items at different locations. I just got to figure out how can I determine what the end game is? What's the goal? Do I have to reach a certain score? Do I need to make a certain spot? Like, do I need to find the exit to the maze? Things like that. So those are all the things I got to figure out how to do programmatically and then make that part of a generic engine that you can, people can design different games that all have different ways to win, you know, um, using the same engine. So that that's where some of the challenge is going to come in is to build in all these conditions and stuff. Um, and I'm just going to be figuring that stuff out one problem at a time. <laughs> so anyways, that's that. So if you want to check it out, it's in Discord. It's in the under the game category under uh, interactive fiction. All right. And that's it. And then so if you check it out, give me some feedback. And the other thing that I don't that I can't test because I'm, 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 I'm compiling versions on my Mac and, and the binary, I'm, I'm pretty sure it does work, but I've never had somebody else try that binary on the Mac OS that isn't part of my computer because I know I had to install something else on my Mac to get the compiler to work. And I don't know if there's a missing runtime library that might be that might be needed by somebody else. So I'd really like somebody who's got a Mac OS to also look at that zip file and try that binary on a Mac and see, um, and, and it has to be an x86 Mac. I don't know if it's going to, well, maybe the M1 would do it through uh, Rosetta. Rosetta 2. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like somebody to try the Mac one. And then I'm also going to, and now the other things too, is I'll be able to make a version of this for the Cocoa Pie, because, the Raspberry Pi, because uh, Ron Klein already put um, QB64 on there, specifically because I told him a year ago I was going to do this at some point in time. So QB64 has been on the Cocoa Pie forever. So I'll be able to make Cocoa Pie versions of this and I can do a Linux version too. I just don't have a Linux machine, so I'm probably going to have to build a VM with Ubuntu and be able to figure out how to make Linux binaries too and have people test hey, Stevie, that for me. Yeah. If you have Windows 10, it does have the uh, Unix subsystem in it that's based I on Ubuntu. I don't want to deal with that. I'd rather build a virtual machine. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why. In my brain, I'd rather keep it in a box and not try to complicate my operating system because I don't know if I can handle that concept. So, But good to know. Good to know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll learn myself up on that one. Um, yes. Anyway, so that's my update and, uh, whatever. Look forward to some feedback on that. Uh, anything else? Anybody got anything else they want to share? That, that looks really cool. I'm excited to download it and try it. Give it a shot. Yeah. Mm. And, um, there are some Easter eggs in my little demo world that I created. So there are some things that may or may not be <laughs> noticeable to people who've been around this community and this show for a while. So I've got some Maybe not so hidden humor in there, but we'll have to see if you find it. Uh, and uh, if nobody has anything else to say right now, what I will do is um, I will go ahead and run the outro and then give us a chance to do parting thoughts. But before I do that, does anybody have anything else they want to say, share, remind us of events? Did you want to remind us of uh, the boat fest or anything like that, Curtis, or too soon or... No, we've kind of mentioned it before. It's a general retro show. It'll be in June. Um, okay. We'll get Boat on to do another plug for it a little bit later. All right. So then I'll run the outro and then we'll come back for parting thoughts. This concludes another episode of Cobra Talk, the winning live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer, MC10, and Dragon systems. For all things Cocoa Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. 
If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Reichert, Jim Brain, Ken Reichert, Ken Waters, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Ulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! Yeah, I'm hearing some real stuttery sounds on my audio. This is the first time I'm trying to stream this show from a different computer. Maybe it just hasn't had a chance to buffer things yet. I don't know. So some things to work out there. It's the playback, though, on the pre-recorded stuff, not your voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, voice is crackly earlier, but it's uh, it's settled down. Settle down now. Simmer down now. Uh, all right, so we're back. We have some happy holidays. So Tom Eric Gunderson saying Merry Christmas. Don't forget to send us um, send us some segments that we can air for the little community montage, if you will. Uh, so Tom Eric Gunderson saying uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, Canadian Retro Things, Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, Happy Kwanzaa, uh, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Festivus for the rest of us, all those good things, right? Um, and what else? Anything else? Anything we didn't mention? Oh, uh, upcoming speakers. Do we want to do that? And so at least one of them that I know we're going to have in the near future, which we probably should plug. Uh, that would be, uh, who is that? We're going to look at our, uh, Coco Talk interviews. I put that in a Google calendar. So we have David Lent today. Thank you, David, for being here. And then who do we have coming up potentially, possibly as future speakers? Um, uh, are we still good for Stephen Goodwin on January 8th, Curtis? Last I heard, yes, all of these are still Okay, Still and do we want to remind people who Stephen Goodwin is, or was, or shall be? Or... Oh, you put me on the spot here. I can't okay, remember. never mind. All right. I won't do that. <laughs> but uh, then we have some game developing brothers. We have two uh, sets of them. Doug and Kevin Leaney and Paul and Tim Thayer will be on January the 15th. So that's two sets of brothers who designed Coco Games back in the day and are designing them today. And then um, on January 22nd, which also happens to be my brother's birthday, we're having Randy... Kindig, who is the host of the Floppy Days podcast, will be our special guest on January 22nd. 
Randy Kindig is kind of like the godfather of retro podcasts. He's been doing it for a long time, very well respected, and he decided to come on this show anyways. So um, I'm yep. looking and forward Scott to And Scott in the first week of February, too. So Yes. Yeah, so, um, and and, and when, when I saw Randy at VCF Midwest in September, I'm going, Randy, man, because I, I told him, because he had recorded a bumper for me years ago that he forgot about, and I play his bumper. I go, Randy, you know, I play your bumper all the time. He goes, did I record a bumper for you? I'm like, yeah, man. I go, you know, I told him, and I said, I said it verbatim because I know, like, hey, this is Randy Kindig from the Floppy Days podcast, and I just love me some cocoa, and no one does it better than Stevie Stroh. You're listening to Cocoa Talk because I just love, he's so smooth, you know. And he's like, oh, I forgot. I go, dude, you want to come on the show? He's like, oh, I'd love to come on the show. I go, well, we'd love to have you. And he's like, you know what? He goes, you know, I've interviewed just about every other podcaster on the planet. And not once has any of them ever asked to interview me. So you'll be the first <laughs> people who've ever interviewed me. And I'm like, well, that's an honor then. I'm happy to have you. So, um, yeah, if you guys don't know the Floppy Days podcast, it's been around for years. Uh, he typically will focus on... Uh, um, you know, systems by decades and things like that. So one month they'll go over, you know, and, and each one focuses on one thing. Um, and he's managed to do a lot of different interviews along the way. So Randy's been doing uh, vintage computing podcasting for, for years. And uh, he also was, is associated with the, um, the Antic podcast, which is an Atari podcast. And then he's also a part of the TRS-80 Trash Talkers as well. And, and uh, one of the guys who runs the uh, Tandy Assembly show. So should be able to hear some interesting things about Randy and all the stuff that he's done and, and his years of doing vintage computing podcasts and events and festivals and stuff. So that should be pretty cool. On uh, January 22nd, we'll have that interview. Live. We'll do it live. Uh, all right. Anything else? No, I'll take the awkward silence as a no. Okay, well then, thank and we have David Lab speaking of celebrities and and uh, icons in the uh, in the retro world. David Ladd is with us today. We're very lucky to have Lord of the Floppy, David Ladd. Thank you for oh, being here, David. <laughs> thank you, David. Thank you, David. Thank you, Rick Euland. I'm looking forward to seeing more Coco web browsing. Terry Steggy with his phenomenally produced video content. Just raising the bar. I mean, typically we, we tend to trip over the bar on this show, but Terry's, we have to reach up and try to grab that bar that he has raised. So thank you, Terry, for doing that. And uh, Ken Waters of Canadian Retro Thanks. Thank you for your Game On segment every week. We appreciate you. L. Curtis Boyle, eh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I just want to mention uh, the, the uh, other interview for the beginning of January on January 8th. Steve Goodwin, he's the author of the upcoming book, 20 Go to 10, which is a retro oh, computer okay, history we got book him with in. all the different yes. numbers associated with okay. various. Okay, yeah. yeah. He's got that computers. new book that he's doing right now, um, and he was at Dragon Talk. What date is that? That's January the 8th. January the 8th. Stephen Goodwin has got a new book right now, 20 Go to 10, or is it 10 Go to 20? Was it? 20 go to 10. 20 go to 10. All right. And there's some numeric significance to the name of the book and how information is presented. Alan Murphy, thank you for all you do. A lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Sleepy Malibu, um, great guy in the community and also is our weekly Game On Live interactive session going. Mark Overholzer, thank you for being here. Bye. Mark B, thanks for being here as a backup just in case my thing bit the bullet, which it didn't. I'm Stevie Stroh. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. See you next year, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, right. we'll try to do something Christmas time. Discord. And, and uh, don't forget, send us some content so we can throw up a little community slideshow from you guys if you can. Take care. 8 Bits in the Basement was here. Thanks. Bye-bye. I David guess Kraker. the key word was broadcastable. Broadcastable.